This podcast is brought to you by patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Head there to check out exclusive podcasts like Talking Futurama, Talk King of the Hill, the What a Cartoon Movie podcast, and tons more. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons, a public service show of limited appeal. I'm your host, the rowdy rabbi Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today as always. Hey, it's Henry Gilbert, and I'll be in heaven still doing this show if I die tonight. <laughs> and who do we have on the line? Oh, uh, this is Lewis Heitzman. And this week's episode is Like Father, Like Clown. Questy, why don't you tell us what's wrong? You'll feel better. Yeah, spill your guts. Yeah, yeah, come on. Questy, tell us. Well, okay. <laughs> this week's episode originally aired on October 24th, 1991. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> Oh boy, Bobby. House Party 2 tops the box office. Mariah Carey's Emotions is number one on the Billboard charts. And Star Trek fans everywhere are in mourning because Gene Roddenberry has passed away. Mm. So yes, a, a big day in, in entertainment history there. House Party 2, they go to college. They take that house party to the dorm. That was not the, the Pajama Jammy Jam? Mm, I, you know, I haven't watched that movie in a long time. I think time. that's House Party 3. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> Clearly unfamiliar with the house party uh franchise henry and uh yeah mariah carries emotions when i looked that one up i was like oh yeah i, I remember that she's had so many bigger hits that i i don't think of that one as much i, I don't know it's, lewis if that's one of your favorites i i don't know that i have a favorite mariah album but i, I will have to re-listen to that tonight and see if it jogged my memory is that the video where she's on the roller coaster you no know, i think that's fantasy yeah you're right uh, it is fantasy yeah, yeah but in emotion she does uh i think it's her like big debut of her very high note she can hit that everybody thought was like oh that's fake that's fake and then she she did it like live on the or you know at unplugged and everybody's like oh that's that's not fake she really can do that you know with with me and my closeted pals butterfly was the big hit in high school for for mariah carey uh sorry back to house party two that was the pajama jammy oh, jam all right so i apologize to anyone i offended <laughs> earlier in the segment and uh, and yes, Gene Ronberry, the creator of Star Trek, uh, passed away. And uh, I remember I didn't know who Gene Roddenberry was, despite, you know, as a kid, I watched Star Trek Next Generation a lot with my mom. Like she loved that series. And so I remember watching the episode that was like dedicated to Gene Roddenberry. And I didn't realize uh, what that meant or why that was a big deal back then. Though Gene Roddenberry was kind of on the outs with the Trek franchise at the time. Yeah, he. I, I don't know. I'm not a big Trekkie, by the way, or Trekker. I don't know what you prefer. But I know if, it seems like he was kind of ushered away from Star Trek The Next Generation when he was kind of ruining it. They're like, mm -hmm. uh, we don't need you anymore, old man. Go <laughs> go make Andromeda. And somebody else did after yes, he died. Yeah, after he was dead. They raided that to a coffin. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so that's that's all that was happening in entertainment when this episode aired. Uh, joining us today is Lewis Peitzman. He's back. He was last with us uh, with uh, Pygmalion back in October of 2020. A much more terrifying time to be alive. Welcome back, Lewis. <laughs> yeah, welcome. 
it's still a terrifying time to be alive. It's actually, I think, maybe terrifying for more reasons now than it was back then. Um, <laughs> I guess that's good. You can kind of like spread the terror out over multiple different issues. And and Lewis, you you know, you're a, you're an entertainment expert, a, a, a journalist. I and uh, it, I should have put it. That's not like a question mark. Uh, no, you are a journalist. I, I'm <laughs> Henry sorry. just made scare quotes. Yes, no, yeah, no. That's fine. That's fine. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> but uh, and and so you know our. Last Last episode with you was was all about entertainment. This one as well is very much about like entertainment history and and its crossover with the Jewish faith. Uh, yeah, I do, I do feel like I was I was brought in not for my entertainment background but for my Jewish background, which is absolutely fine. Okay. Um, I wish I had a I should have had a fun Judaica themed opening line, but I'll I'll get there. Well, yeah. So I mean, did did you watch this uh, one when it was was new in your youth the, uh, as part of a Simpsons viewer? Well. I'm obviously very young, um, so uh, <laughs> yeah. as a baby, I can't remember. I actually don't remember when I watched it because I was I looked it up and I was like, I definitely was like on some level aware of The Simpsons when I was five, but I don't think that I was actively watching and retaining it. So I must I must have seen this in reruns on Fox like years later. But I definitely remember seeing it and being very excited about Krusty being Jewish. And it's possible that I, that's like an early childhood memory that I, that I had for when I, you know, watched it when it aired. I don't actually know, but um, yeah, I, I did watch it as a, as a very young child at some point. I, I know that Krusty being Jewish, you know, has, has mattered a lot to the writers on the show, especially there's a number, number of Jewish writers on the show, including one of the co-writers this episode. And then I, I know like even the current showrunner of the show, Matt Selman, who's he's Jewish and his, uh, they, he brought more of Krusty's daughter into the forefront in his time because he's like oh you know my daughter is also half jewish just like his daughter hmm. so i'll put that in the show but uh i mean for for gentiles like bob and yeah. myself of uh, this we i don't think i uh knew much about the jewish faith at the age no. of eight when i when i first saw that uh didn't know anybody jewish growing up i went to catholic school very few jewish people at catholic school and then so basically until i was an older person uh, uh this episode of the simpsons and then two episodes of rugrats that's kind of all I knew about the Jewish faith. So uh, not a lot of talk was going on. Between Simpsons and Rugrats, I feel like you can pretty much get everything you need to know. Um, I don't know how much else there is out there. Well, you know, the what this taught me some, but I think also I'll credit Adam Sandler a lot and his and his right. song Eight Crazy Nights taught me and many many a comedy non Jewish comedy nerd a lot about Judaism. The Hanukkah song. Yes, yeah. And, and similar in this episode, Lisa also lists uh, celebrities just as Adam Sandler does mm-hmm. in that same song, like, uh, that comedy classic. But yeah. I learned that Hall of Famer Rob Carew is Jewish, <laughs> whoever that is. I don't know that Rod Carew. Uh, my mom had to explain to me who that was, and I I, I then forgot. But um, no, I, uh, and they and they've stuck with it since then. Yeah, I mean, uh, Lewis, you know, as as a Jewish person, what do you what what do you think of the uh, portrayal of it? I guess in this episode and in most Simpsons episodes. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I never. I don't think I gave it much thought at the time. Watching it now, it does seem a little like uh, it's it's entry level, which is fine. It was. I don't know. There are some good jokes. In there i i really like the uh jewish entertainers bit or the the lack thereof i've, I've never seen the jazz singer so i feel like i missed a lot of 
the cultural references there. But I know it exists, and I'm aware of Neil Diamond, who I believe was the jazz singer. And uh, I, one, I, I do remember, um, I have a memory of, from Jewish day school, we were singing the Neil Diamond song, Coming to America, which I actually think is not called that, but that's what people know it as. It's just America. Anyway, the point is, I was like, <laughs> laughing, the lyrics were bad, and I, I was a, you know, a, a bad little kid, or I, I don't remember. But anyway, the music teacher, got really angry and made me copy the lyrics to the Neil Diamond song over and over again um, <laughs> as my own little chalkboard gag. And um, it was, my mom was really angry about it because she was like, what a useless punishment. <laughs> and like it came in to talk to the teacher who said that it was what I deserve for disrespecting Neil Diamond. And um, <laughs> that's my jazz singer memory. Wow. Well, you know, the I only watched a few scenes of it online. I, I also, I was not going to pay to rent it digitally. I, I, if it had been free streaming on Netflix or something, maybe I'd have watched it. But it's famously to Gen Xers, like a bad movie. Like just, I mean, yeah. what a great idea of like a terrible movie that it's the hubris of Neil Diamond who's like, well, I'm a hit music obviously i can act in a great film alongside Lawrence olivier and then everybody's gonna love it i think it's so bad that it did not live on to be in the so bad it's good category of movies mm. i think it only lives on through these simpsons references it was also in old money the i have no son rip the cloth yes, reference yes yeah and i want to point out like in 1991 it doesn't feel like it was that long ago but it was and it felt like having such an explicitly jewish story it did feel a bit edgy and a bit fox like if you will because mm. if you look at what was happening with other big shows like Seinfeld they were like nobody's Jewish on this show Costanza Italian very Italian don't ask any questions I feel like that was an unpopular choice for white audiences they didn't want to alienate them executives they were obviously wrong yes yeah but it felt like wow this is an interesting and kind of edgy idea to have an explicitly Jewish character in a Jewish story only Fox could do this mm-hmm Fox, a famously Jewish network. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> no, I, well, I like hearing Jake Hogan on the commentary. He jokes like uh, that they say, like, oh, it was your idea to make Krusty Jewish. He's like, yes, I, I finally got Jews into entertainment with, with Krusty <laughs> being Jewish. Yeah, the, but, but yeah, this uh, the, the episode is co-written by uh, Jake Hogan with Wally Waladarski. Kogan is the, the Jewish writer of the, the two uh, and uh, Waladarski, I don't believe is Jewish and his like Kogan also, I think is like the perfect guy to write this because oh god not just that he's jewish but he also has like the most like entertainment old entertainment like upbringing ever it's insane his childhood yeah his dad is arnie kogan uh still alive by the way uh he wrote for tons of tv comedies like a comedy tv writer sitcoms talk shows variety shows from uh, 1960 to 1994 those are his credits yeah he knew everybody like his like uh, they they joke uh that like Stephen Eady played at one of uh Kogan's birthdays I think right his bar mitzvah I believe they say like that he that his godfather was uh, the writer of uh, I think it was uh, Spanish no no uh, yeah it was Spanish Flea I think is uh, is, is what his godfather like he Kogan was just talking about his, his uh, that on Twitter there was a thing going around on May the 4th of uh, what I'd never seen before of a Donnie and Marie show version of the Star Wars parody that I mm. like Chris Christopherson as, as Han Solo 
Uh, did you see that, Lewis? Uh, I, I've, I've, I've seen the um, the outfits. I don't know if I've actually watched the clip. It's it's amazing to see because they actually, like, they really got C-3PO and R2-D2. Like, they didn't make fake versions. Like, they George Lucas at some point agreed, like, yeah, Donnie and Marie, do a parody. I'll send you the robots. And, well, I can't imagine George Lucas just, you know, lending out those robots or letting letting Star Wars be tainted by anything less than <laughs> Um, but good for him. And uh, and Kogan said, like, yeah, my dad wrote on that. Like, he even he shared whatever stories his dad, Arnie Kogan, knew. So, yeah, I mean, this he is both a, a Jewish man and, a like, a very entertainer Hollywood guy. And there are two rabbis that are consultants on this episode, and one of them is uh, was the guy who bar mitzvah Jay Kogan. Yeah, who I believe is Harold M. Schulweis. I believe that's the, the, the two credited ones. And you know what? They... I'm commentary they can't remember if it's two or three on the credits there's two but Jay Kogan, like two years ago on Twitter, was like, yep, there were three. So it's like, was was there mm. just an uncredited rabbi or what here? I want to know which rabbi was cut out of things. Like, <laughs> no suggestions from one rabbi were used. Uh, we only had bad notes. And uh, we were like, we got it. And uh, I also think a little of this comes from Mike Reese as well, who is a very non-religious Jewish man in the, like, in his book, the, the sandwich in here that's described as the crusty sandwich, in Mike Reese's biography, he says that like oh how not jewish am i i would eat the 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 sandwich described as crusty's uh sandwich <laughs> in a synagogue on yom kippur like he's like that's how not jewish i am <laughs> but i do think that the the sandwich joke is one of those like i think that telling this like jewish story you know may maybe a little ahead of its time but i feel like there's plenty of sort of broad jewish comedy that exists before this and i think like there are jokes like this very not kosher sandwich that feels a little bit subtler that like if you didn't know anything about jews you probably wouldn't get that particular joke but maybe you get the jazz singer riff like you know <laughs> that seems maybe more more obvious no i mean as a child i did not understand absolutely not what the why the contents of crusty sandwich would be so insulting to a rabbi yes <laughs> a few more production notes on this episode this is the second and last episode to be directed by brad bird he co-directs this episode with jeffrey lynch who is a newer director he's sort of showing him the ropes brad bird is still on the show through early season nine as a consultant and jake hogan pitches episode to uh sam simon didn't like it then he pitched the episode to james l brooks he did like it so he went behind Sam Simon's back to make this episode happen. James L. Brooks, more powerful than Sam Simon himself. <laughs> and apparently uh, Gene pitched the last name Krasovsky, Krasovsky, and he got the biggest laugh he ever got out of Brooks in his life. So yeah, it's, it's uh, a Kras great joke. Krasovsky was Al Gene's idea. <laughs> and one little story on the commentary I found out was that uh, this this blessed man, Jay Kogan, born into Hollywood fame and, and riches, not only does he uh, get to have the great father, Arnie Kogan, he also is the guy who got to fly around the world casting the international version of the simpsons he got to take all these international yeah. trips to like japan and france <laughs> and germany and germany and italy to cast the foreign language dub voices al gene on the commentary is like when they offered us those trips that we said we're running a show we couldn't possibly i regret that every day we should have taken all of those expensive trips around the world to cast the show i regret every opulent press trip i didn't take I, every single one of them I'm like why did i not take that trip I think about all the things I turned down based on ethics. 
and mm. you know now wish I had just taken advantage of because you know who cares at this point exactly yeah and Jake Hogan would go on to write an Emmy award winning episode of Frasier called Merry Christmas Mrs. Moskowitz where Frasier has to pretend to be Jewish to appease the mother of a Jewish woman he is dating <laughs> and that is the uh, 1999 Emmy award winning for outstanding uh, sitcom yeah, it's a classic. It's a classic Frasier. Well, it's funny, too, that like uh, the bird directs this, who also a very, a very waspy. Well, actually not wasp because he wasn't rich, but like a Midwestern white guy. Not not at all Jewish, but he he loves Krusty the Clown so much. Like he uh, in seasons one through three, especially he was very insistent on like drawing the best Krusty scenes, even when he didn't produce them. And like and, and yeah, we've, we've covered it before, but his version of Krusty was based on a very not Jewish uh, uh, like Christian entertainer clown of the of Portland Oregon of his youth. Uh, disturbingly enough named Rusty Nails. Yes. yeah, The Christian <laughs> Portland clown. That's a horrible name for a clown. It's, uh, and then he uh, if you want somebody named Rusty Nails teaching you about Jesus like that does sound fun. I'm guessing the Rusty Nails were the, the nails in his palms right oh god is that how it works yeah yeah no i mean that that makes sense but it, it is a horrifying thing to think about and i guess if you're being crucified whether the nails are rusty or not it's not going to have much bearing on on what happens after that i think you know resurrection implies you wouldn't have to worry about tetanus mm-hmm. um, yeah I, I think the rusty thing is just the, them trying to guilt trip you more it's like he was crucified and the nails are rusty mm, yeah talk it, about a rough deal as much guilt as possible shoved in there i well and speaking of their trips too i loved hearing that they like on their trip they got to Koken along with dan kessler just got to like fly to new york city uh, record with the the guest star and then go to a uh, the holly field holy field foreman fight that happened in atlantic city so if you want to know when this was recorded uh that with at least with the guest star it was around april 19th 1991 that's wow. when they flew out to new york city so just to put it in time uh they, they at uh i i would have to assume that was at the trump casino i would have to think that's that's where it was done but uh uh but okay all right well let's get in the episode itself then so uh after a chalkboard about not finishing things which i feel like that's the producer saying they're getting tired of writing chalkboard gags already <laughs> they've got uh doing them at that point in season three mm-hmm. never again <laughs> Uh, and so then the episode begins and yeah i think you see that bird and lynch really were ambitious with the animation on this one like they uh, bird is on the commentary and he's talking about how like they had all these ambitions and you can only pull off so much on tv budget and tv schedule but like wow this episode the opening like all the shots of like the final acts like you see the acts from like his viewpoint and just the like shadows and everything it looks amazing like it's it's and what a great like grab you at the start of the episode that the episode starts at the end of an episode of the crusty show it, it puts you on your back feet of like wow this is weird <laughs> you know and he and he almost kills mel <laughs> sideshow mel on live television <laughs> as well it won't be the first time <laughs> though in the other future times he won't even apologize he, or he'll he'll just move on with it and i love the reaction shot of bart and lisa they're they're hearty laughs as uh, as they see his uh unconscious body of, of sideshow out there we then see the introduction of all these 
recurring sidekicks as as Krusty is doing a sign off. Uh, uh, it's basically the SNL good nights is what he is doing uh, with with even the music behind him, just like a GE Smith. I, I think I think Corporal Punishment will show up in uh, the video game Krusty Super Funhouse or Krusty's Funhouse if you're playing it on NES. But this clown, this unnamed clown doctor, never appears again. <laughs> uh, Tina Ballerina, I think she might pop up a few more times. But I think Jesus Krusty gets canceled. Yeah, uh, yeah. But now Corporal Punishment, he was first seen in Itchy and Scratchy and Marge, but the other two are the the rest of his sidekicks not not seen before. And also apparently Donna Mills had been on the episode earlier but we of, of Knots Landing. <laughs> uh, and this is the one time I can tell this story, this Knots Landing related story. Knots Landing, uh, it's this primetime soap opera. Who cares? Uh, 79 to 93. You didn't see it. But uh, when I was living in Kent, Ohio, there was a daycare the daycare was called Tots Landing. <laughs> and I drove by it every day and I thought, you need a better reference. I could punch this up for you. I also I also really don't like when kids are called Tots. It yeah. bothers me. Yeah. I think there's a common daycare thing though, you know. And also I, I kind of admire a pun name for a daycare. I feel like there was some creativity there, even if you don't love the reference. And it gets um, funnier and funnier by like nineteen ninety six, everybody's like, What the hell is this? <laughs> I Really, I have to say, because I I, um, I was happy to see Corporal Punishment and Tina Ballerina, who are characters in the Simpsons mobile game, tapped out, where I have spent too much of my time, useless thing, thing to do with your money, real money, or or uh, in-game money, is to buy all these characters um, so you can like make Tina Ballerina and Corporal Punishment do things which is supposed to be gratifying in some way <laughs> there are other characters too those are just those just stood out to me because i you know i kind of forgot where they first came from no i i thankfully out of <laughs> all of the out of all of the phone scams i've given money to and i've i've spent money on a lot of them i never got into i knew i knew it would get me too hard if i gave it even too. Age, so i was like can't i can't install it it's it's the frankie act you pay for <laughs> yeah it's no it's it's um it's the worst and i i did quit for a while and then it it sucked me back in but you know it's it was during covid that i was like you know i need something to do on my phone that will take me away from the pandemic and that's how i justify spending real money on a, a stupid little mobile game uh and uh crusty song here i never appreciated what a great bad song it is <laughs> until until really watching closely you're just saying like we've had lots and lots and lots and lots of fun and now the time has come to go yeah there's no more rhyming i guess the rhyme comes after but it just the song uh, kind of falls apart at that point just so uh, like well i also like he rhymes fun with come which uh, <laughs> Jeez. But I, well i was where are you going with this no i was just saying that's an the imperfect yeah uh but and then god it, uh, it made me laugh even even more this time and then and then that his song gets so dark of saying like oh yeah and if i if i am dead in my bed tomorrow i'll be in heaven still doing this show well we've learned earlier Earlier in the Simpsons, that the show opens with "What would you do if it went off the air?" We'd kill, <laughs> kill ourselves. ourselves. Yes, that's right. Yeah, having yeah. I children scream, "We'll kill ourselves" was pretty good. <laughs> and also, though, uh, if you're wondering why Krusty the Clown is t tugging on his uh, earlobe, that's a reference to Carol Burnett, who did that at the end of her shows. Always, I guess still does if you saw her live she probably still does it it, it was her way of uh, it was her tribute to her grandmother it was hmm. when her grandmother would be watching the show and she'd see her tug on her uh, earlobe that said i love you grandma which apparently her grandma was uh she her parents uh bad bad divorce hmm. uh, uh alcohol problems she had a tough childhood but her grandma was always there for her so it was a very very sweet story about carol burnett's grandma 
but uh, who uh, sadly passed away during the production of the like she the grandma died before the carol burnett show was over oh. unfortunately but she still still kept doing it can we do a bit more uh, crusty lore yes okay yeah. so a bit more crusty lore I forget if we talked about it on this podcast before, but this was on the commentary, so I wanted to bring it up here. Dan Castellaneta talks about it, of course. They're talking about the origins of Krusty. It's a Krusty-based episode. We got Rusty Nails, the Portland clown, but the voice of Krusty is based on uh, Dan Castellaneta's local bozo, uh, Bob Bell, who apparently because uh, Henry could see WGN programming where he lived, that was also Krusty's bozo. Yeah. Well, I had no bozo. <laughs> well, so, uh, I, yeah, I had WGN on my family's cable. It's also how there were super stations. There was, like, TBS first, which gave you Atlanta-based stuff, and then there was WGN, which gave you Chicago stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, I got to see... Uh, I watched Bozo on there. I never particularly loved Bozo, but I did love the grand prize game and the cartoons he showed around uh him but uh before i was more into the bozo that followed bob bell after bob bell's retirement <laughs> but the cookie the clown was still there but yeah bob you found you have quite a clip of this uh this old bozo <laughs> this here. wheezing yes. clown yes. talking about a video game <laughs> yeah that's it here i'll play it we're playing bozo's tv pal game and we're going to be playing it right here at the circus and everybody at home will have a chance to participate too so you want to tune in to bozo's circus and find out all the details about bozo's tv pal the greatest new game on television hey you try well, it let me try it so yeah, that's where Dan got the voice. This horrible TV clown, and he's like taking these big, these big like cancerous gasps between sentences. It's rough. It's rough. You can really hear the vocal damage um, of of probably decades of, of clownery. Uh, but I do. I mean, it's it's really unsettling. I mean, my question with clowns is the obvious one of like, who is this for? Because it seems like everyone is somewhat put off by clowns, but. Watching The Simpsons and watching this episode and thinking about Bart and Lisa's ages and the ages of the kids in those in that audience and sort of like who is Cresty for based on the show he's doing and the guests he gets apparently <laughs> um, it's like it's a fascinating question. Obviously, it sort of changes depending on what the plot uh, necessitates. But yeah, I don't I don't know who Bozo was for, and I, I certainly know who don't know who Cresty was for. <laughs> I, I was kind of I was kind of startled by hearing that clown voice because I the only clown I knew was like Ronald McDonald. He's like I got hamburgers, everybody. It was a normal voice. <laughs> Some clowns are like this. I'm a clown. Goop, goop, goop. But this clown's like, hey, kids, it's me. We're going to play a video game. <laughs> yeah. That's more like Beavis, actually. <laughs> like, it sounds like Beetlejuice a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Beavis, yeah, for sure. Does that, okay, have you seen that Beetlejuice Broadway show, Lewis? Yeah. Does he really do that voice the whole show? Yeah. I know it's a joke in the saw, or at least I saw a performance on, like, I think the Tonys where he said, like, no, I really do this voice all night. But I was like, really? Really? He really does it. He really does it. Yeah. No, I, 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 I know the actor, and we've discussed how he how he does it without destroying his voice, which you would think it would do uh, eight shows a week. But uh, he's, uh, he's still doing it. That's amazing. Wow, just by doing the fake crusty, I'm a little raspy now. I'm not even trying because I can't wake up tomorrow with a slightly <laughs> sore throat and, and take another COVID test. It's just not going <laughs> to. Uh, 
you know see this is why we're not broadway stars you know this guy the, those are the people that can pull it off but the, but only, it, the only reason i'm not a broadway star in fact <laughs> it's just funny to think that like this is the tail end of clowns because one of the people on the show still had bozo access yes yeah and yeah. thank god it's not happening anymore <laughs> <laughs> well you know it, i get why the ki- kids watch that and also like the howdy doody show and all that because really you just wanted to see cartoons but yeah. they couldn't produce enough cartoons to fill a whole hour of tv so you just got to have your local clown host those cartoons and be like all right that we've got 10 minutes of cartoons and then 10 minutes of me telling you that Popeye's about to be on now they have so many cartoons you're not going to waste time with some human telling kids to watch a cartoon i showed you who my bozo was it was a like 28 year old woman named liz with a harsh yes, cleveland accent that's right. yes just liz just a woman it's basically like your cute babysitter exactly that's what she was yes if yeah. you grew up with liz uh dm me <laughs> I feel like all I grew up with was, was Pee Wee, and I I always was more interested in the Playhouse than the cartoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I did like well because he intentionally play like the King of Cartoons would bring shitty bad like public domain cartoons. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. They they wouldn't even show you the whole thing, and I think the the <laughs> fanfare and the song about the King of Cartoons lasted longer than the cartoon. That might have been the joke. That might have. Yeah. The Simpsons will be right back. Krusty's dad disowns him. I have no son. Oi, this guy's tough. The Simpsons. Monday at 7.30 on Fox 5. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the break. Whether you're a jazz singer or not, it's Henry Gilbert saying thanks again to our big guest this week, Louis Peitzman. Always awesome to have him back on, and we really appreciated the insight he gave us into this episode. Please follow him on Twitter and keep up with all the cool stuff he's doing. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, you should know that it's only possible thanks to the support of Patreon subscribers like you who sign up at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Subscribers there get me and Bob doing this as our full-time job and they also get every episode of Talking Simpsons a week ahead of time and ad-free. You can hear next week's episode right now if you signed up and you also get a giant back catalog of exclusive podcasts like our monthly Talking Futurama and Talk King of the Hill podcast where we talk about a new episode of each of those series King of the Hill or Futurama once a month and you get a giant back catalog of over a hundred exclusive miniseries as well when you sign up. Five whole years worth of it of us covering the critics Mission Hill, Batman the Animated Series, in addition to Futurama King of the Hill. Check it all out at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. But if you want an honor as great as the French Legion of Honor, you should sign up at the premium level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons because you would get access to our monthly What a Cartoon movie podcast. Me and Bob going super in-depth into an animated feature film, just like we do for The Simpsons, but often over five or even six hours long about films like this month, The Little Mermaid, the month before that, Toy Story 3, the month before that, six and a half hours about Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and a giant back catalog of almost four years worth of what a cartoon movies i'd say over 270 hours of podcast covering everything from akira to a goofy movie the end of evangelion to beavis and butthead to america aladdin 
to Kiki's Delivery Service so, so much. You got to sign up at that $10 level to check it all out at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Uh, but you're you're right, Liz. This sometimes Krusty becomes like a Carson parody. Here it's an SNL parody of this, they, them just doing the good nights, and then the show's over. Krusty heads off, and this uh, this is so much about entertainment. Of like, I wonder what specific celebrities they were about. Of like, oh yeah, when the camera's off, this the clown isn't funny, and they're just like a sad, needy person <laughs> who who gambles and smokes all the time. And I, I think we get that uh, shot of Bart and Lisa to remind the audience, yes, it's the Simpsons. We know. Don't worry. <laughs> they do spend a lot of time with Krusty here. But yes, this is when we get introduced to Krusty's Girl Friday, who sadly did not appear enough uh, on the show, I think. But yes, Krusty is canceling his plans in our first clip. Great show, Krusty. I really laughed when you did Yeah, yeah, one. yeah. Where's my nicotine gum? Oh, that's the stuff. Damn, I'm exhausted. Those kids were like ice out there. You've got a 4.30 merchandising meeting. Cancel it. Therapist. Cancel it. Personal trainer. Cancel it. The opening line on the Giants is five and a half. Put a dime on it. Thank you, dinner with Bart Simpson. I don't know any Bart Simpson. Krusty, he's the boy who saved you from jail. Well, we made a terrible, terrible mistake. Uh, won't happen again. Well, there was one boy who trusted me all along. Bart? Yes, sir? Thank you. Oh yeah, cancel it. <laughs> now the uh, that's uh, Mrs. Penny Candy or yeah. Miss Penny Candy, uh, a reference. To, I assure you, it's Miss. <laughs> uh, a reference to Money Penny, the uh, the constant uh, secretary of James Bond, or I guess M secretary. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I, again as a kid, I didn't know nothing about James Bond. Uh, again, uh, I think my mom had to explain to me. No, it's a reference to Money Penny. That's that's the joke. But uh, I, she only appears one other time with like speaking lines yeah. in the series. It's a dynamic that I wish had been around longer but I think Krusty can't have anyone around him to make him behave better because he can't be as funny. Mm, eh, that's true. I, I see that. And if you look very closely there's a big clue to where this story is going because the star on Krusty's door is a star of David. Ah, yes. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to know as people who are more well better versed in The Simpsons than I am or have you know done this chronological journey, when do they drop the bit of Krusty not remembering who Bart is? I Because I feel like at some point that stopped happening. I hmm. think by the Bill and Josh, I think seven or so, because the last the last one I can remember is in Bart Gets Famous. That's it, yeah. Krusty is like, <laughs> what have you done for me lately? Yeah, yeah, but, I got you that sandwich. You know, it's so similar to Homer and Burns that maybe they're like, ah, why, why, why yeah. keep doing this with Krusty? But I mean, it, it works so well for plot purposes. If Krusty remembers Bart too much, it's like, oh, Bart's friends with the, the, like, the most famous guy in Springfield or this like uh, basically like an old style... Uh, so, like Krusty owns his own studio like he's like Lucille Ball in that way yeah and, and this episode it reminded me that they're getting more confident in season three and then season three has at least three sequel episodes there's this there's a black widower and there's brother can you spare two dimes mm -hmm. they're they're confident enough to say like you want to know more about these characters don't you yeah yeah I also love his walk it's kind of a, a, a Aaron Sorkin-esque walk and talk yeah we got here <laughs> the camera's not dynamic Aaron enough Aaron Sorkin was inspired by he, he saw this episode and he was like I gotta do 
that. <laughs> and I also really noticed that because Dan Castellaneta has to act a lot more as Krusty, he's not in the Jebediah's head <laughs> that yes. we heard in uh, season one. It was uh, like a much rougher. Uh, it was actually closer to the bozo that we heard. He has calmed it down. I I love that he's like for these children. He still is acting like a tired road comic. Like the kids were like ice out there. <laughs> but, and and also he's canceling everything except for gambling because again the Simpsons writers very into gambling on football at this time. We'll see that in like three or four episodes, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> also with that flashback to Krusty gets busted. That shows you how much like just in eighteen months how much their animation has changed. Like it looks like a different show. Yeah. So much better. Season one and that's late season one even uh, that we're seeing compared to early season three. And that was also Brad Bird, right? Yes. Yeah. With Wiggum's uh, black hair yeah. and. Uh, different voice i i still i said it the last time we did it but i still love hearing hearing the police chief go like uh won't happen again about <laughs> about arresting the wrong person that's a good joke and so yes uh crusty though he doesn't give a shit uh they cut to uh the simpsons home i i think it's really cute seeing maggie drink out of the same bowl of sand as a little helper that's an adorable little joke uh the type of thing you wouldn't normally just waste time with of like ah, uh, just a, a little uh, a little observational thing but but marge gets a call from uh penny candy at our next clip hello mrs simpson this is lois penny candy crusty the clown's executive assistant oh hello mrs penny candy <sighs> it's miss penny candy i can assure you i'm sorry to inform you that crusty will once again not be joining bart for dinner oh dear this is the fifth time he's canceled how can he hurt someone who loves him so oh mrs simpson <laughs> i've wasted my womanhood asking that same question <laughs> i apologize for him something really important came up at the last minute Lousy mildew. That's good enough. Well, thank you for calling. Goodbye. You know, I've cleaned my shower. I've often thought like, yeah, good enough. It's a great little twist of that joke where he's not just cleaning his bathroom. He's also stopped. Yeah. So he's free now. <laughs> yes, <that's true. laughs> so I was thinking that you got Penny Candy. Of course, you got Smithers and you've got Carl. I feel like the, the Simpsons were really into the idea of the incredibly devoted uh, assistant who mm. also maybe loves you. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Kind of idea. They were really they were really into that idea. It makes me wonder if James L. Brooks or someone else was imagining like, does does my production assistant love me? Is that why they, <laughs> they keep sticking around? I really I, I feel like they're there. I, I, I hear you on why they couldn't bring her back more uh for plot reasons but i do think that she makes a really big impression and i think i had kind of forgotten she existed which is sad because i really enjoyed her on this rewatch i would bet they thought they're like oh when we build up uh penny candy we can later do the episode of like crusty and penny candy finally dates or whatever you know it gives you a will they won't they kind of thing you can root for and now you know uh, crusty meanwhile has married many other women since then including eartha kitt but uh (laughs) there's there's so much history in her few lines in this episode she makes a big impact and i think you know she goes away very quickly uh when al Jean takes over the show again in season 13 he uses her like one more time i think they remember oh right we have that character <laughs> but not for any reason that's like good or interesting she just gives a line to crusty and mm-hmm. that's basically it. and then nothing ever after that so it's been a long time since we've seen her i think like 17 years you know in the merkin era with homie the clown that's all about crusty and his finances but instead they give him a, a, a just a regular accountant guy <laughs> who tells him like don't spend your money and 
instead of uh, instead of Penny Candy doing it. But yes, uh, so uh, then Bart still thinks he's going to get uh, Krusty to visit. He's already bragging to Milhouse. This is why Milhouse shows up unannounced. Bart's bragging to him all the time that Krusty's coming over. Of course, of course, Milhouse is going to try to jump on the uh, top on that train. I also love the joke of it's a real pause and read it one that I never really paused and read that the Krusty cologne, which says it's non-toxic, but is covered in warnings of like it's going to stain furniture. Don't uh, it might may cause skin damage. And I also love that it says the smell of the big top, which like no one wants to smell <laughs> like a carnival. No is this the first uh, joke about bad crusty merch? Mm, you know, it might be because I, Camp Krusty has a ton of jokes like that where he's complaining yeah. like my calculator didn't have a seven or an eight. <laughs> You know, I just bought a uh, a, a crusty a, a crusty bucket hat, uh, and all it is is like black outside, uh, blue inside, and the only crusty bit is that it has the accurate to the show crusty seal of quality on hmm. it. So, is this a new radical style hat, Henry? <laughs> oh God, you're right, <laughs> man. Now you're gonna get me to not wear. I if I see I'm... you dancing in a mall, <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna make some changes around here. That, that's all I'm saying. Uh, you know, my husband's really into bucket hats, uh, so I was like, you know what? Let's have let's have couple. Buckle, bucket hats for our next trip. Let's wear them together. <laughs> that sounds couples buckets hat. But couples bucket hats that to me sounds like maybe more problematic than dancing in the mall. But I do also respect it because you really leaned into that choice. You know, now the now the malls are pretty empty. It's it's uh we can have so much fun just but like <laughs> you can't chase phonies out of stores anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're all gone. But, uh, yeah, so Bart heads down and get finds out that Krusty is canceled on him for the fifth time, which that's that's a lot of cancellations. And Bart is of course singing a this episode's already filled so much with all this entertainment but they got to get even older <laughs> yeah the, so this could be the start of something big uh it is actually the second tonight show theme for the steve allen version written by steve allen mm-hmm. so that was the first tonight show and then it was jack parr and then johnny carson i think i think so or was it no i think it was parr then allen then carson okay I think. in any case uh that was his second theme that he wrote which if you weren't alive in 1957, why would you ever know the Steve Allen Tonight Show theme of this could be the start of something big? Which is so it's a funny thing to give Bart, uh, but unfortunately Bart is disappointed once more. You know, you think these Holly, all these Hollywood fo- phonies letting you down. You think they're coming over to hang out and they cancel and cancel on you. Uh, the thing about that song that I wanted to mention is that the reason that I know that song is because Pia Zadora sings it in Naked Gun 33 and a third at the Oscars. <laughs> oh wow! And a, uh, cultural touch point that's why i know the song because she does sing it um wow. i didn't know who pia zadora was notoriously you know uh, a razzie award winner but um yeah no i mean that's uh probably just as important as uh any tonight show wow i you know i forgot that song i only i remember uh raquel welch presents with him in that in that same place but i forgot that uh yes. yeah that's uh it should be remembered for that pia zadora song and not the um very poorly aged uh crying game jokes in that movie let's let's just remember the pia yes, zadora I, was, song. I, was, I was just thinking the things that i remember are that moment and the uh transphobic and nicole smith stuff yeah. but uh but the rest is i'm sure gold yeah i'm sure that aged great it's all great 
great. (laughs) (laughs) So Bart becomes jaded by this news. He, uh, you know what? I think it's very realistic that Bart's like, uh, you know what? I've finally been let down and nothing in life matters. Uh, Though it also is talking about things that feel like a season one sequel. Bart sitting down and writing a letter. That is what they did a million times in season one. Yeah, a character writing a letter. At least they cut away to someone reading it. Yeah. They had advanced their technique that far. It's not like, let's sit with the character the entire time as they write it. I like seconds of it it's, let's do it. it's a nice like match cut to crusty reading the letter I, b- I believe it's like the letter goes into his hands or something it's like fade from one letter to the oh, other it's to penny candy reading okay and to penny candy to yeah yeah and of course uh crusty is very busy in this moment <laughs> I, I always suspected that nothing in life mattered now, now I, I know, know for sure get bent bart simpson Ooh, sex chat <laughs> <laughs> You've reached the party line. In a moment, you'll be connected to a hot party with some of the world's most beautiful women. Now, let's join the party. Hello? 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 Are, are there any women here? <laughs> Hello? Are you a beautiful woman? Do I sound like a beautiful woman? This is not as hot a party as I had anticipated. Read this. Yeah, I am. Uh, uh... D D dear crust why it says that the little boy who never lost faith in you has lost faith in you crusty you are going to bart simpson's house for dinner tonight but i have planned hey not the face why you maddening impossible man if you don't go tonight I won't be here tomorrow. Oh, all right, I'll go. Oh, Rusty. But I sure hate missing schnapps night at the Friars Club. That's sex chat. Just hearing Krusty say, ooh, sex chat. Like, yeah. what a funny... I laugh just We're, we're learning more about Krusty and Apu. It's funny that the only known character on the sex chat is Apu. Yes. So it's like, well, he's a single. He's, he's horny. <laughs> Everybody. Then yes, that it uh, that the sex chat is only other men talking to each other, which I I, I, I love that shot of all five of them. I was thinking of that uh, as, as an example of Zoom recording podcast, perhaps. That same, <laughs> that same kind of picture. <laughs> just I just was thinking about how the kids today don't know about sex chats. I mean, they do, but not about calling a dirty phone line for to talk to uh, to a party line, uh, if you will. Which I used to. Um, we used to make crank calls to them from uh, my uh, my Temple public phone uh, <laughs> to call the uh, various numbers we had collected, um, and then hang up before you had to pay anything. Wow, man, that what a fun intersection of Judaism and this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's a, that's, a, that's a good way to bring it back to uh, Judaism. But I, they were so expensive. It was like a really expensive. I know there have been other hotlines on The Simpsons, the Corey hotline and sure there are others that work but I, they were they were real and very expensive you know today's online sex chat is really a buyer's market it's much yeah. much better for the consumer <laughs> it really is yeah. it's the only place if you, if you do a sex chat now you can actually there's a camera so you know you're actually talking to a real person uh, yeah. versus you know getting to hang out with a bunch of uh of horny men mm-hmm. which sex. is fine for, for many of us but maybe not what uh crust you were looking for sex chat is the only place where consumer rights got better for all of us <laughs> now i remember uh, i just like one day friends and I just sat around thinking of like what about 1900 hot butt we would call it and we would see because there's a point there's a point where it'd be like you would have to pay after a certain point but there'd be like for for this press one for this press two mm-hmm. and we'd laugh at all the selections man you would almost always I remember doing that too and you almost always find something 
those numbers were uh, were fully, you know, they they kind of grabbed all the all the available combinations of dirty words. Man, you know, I none of my me and my friends weren't that dirty then. No, none of my pals. <laughs> I I made a dirtier friends by the internet age who would certainly say, "Hey, look at this," and show me horrible, horrible things <laughs> on on a computer. But in the phone era, not not so much. I we we did not uh, didn't have any dirty pranksters in my in my friend group then. I and feel so innocent. This thing about Krusty not knowing how to read, it's, it's a paying off, you know, season one. They're not explaining he doesn't know how to read. They quietly made him uh, literate yes. over time. There was no Krusty Learns to Read episode, which I think is a big uh, missing piece. That could have been a great episode. Yeah. They could do a flashback. It's not It's not too late yeah. to uh, do that. I feel like Krusty learning how to read is a great comedic premise, but they realize, like, oh, a lot of jokes won't work if he can't read a sign or a paper <laughs> or a contract or whatever. So uh, I love that he reads ear crust why like he he misreads his own name i got so good though then i did uh in in very pedantic style later in the episode where i'm like when i see him in uh in class i mean okay he could be illiterate to like english but but know how to read hebrew i perhaps i i guess but it it seems mm. weird that he'd be illiterate but could read from the talmud in class right that uh I, I, isn't that a problem? I don't know how like yeshiva schools work, but it's it's possible he wasn't being taught. He was being taught, you know, to, to Hebrew. I mean, if you there, are, you know, now if you're like in uh, Hasidic neighborhoods, I believe they only speak Yiddish. I don't think they speak English. I mean, oh. they, they know English. But they, I think they exclusively speak Yiddish and they have accents when they speak in English. Interesting. Uh, I should know more about Hasidic people before I say these things on a podcast. Um, but they, yeah, they do have schools where they learn uh, uh, in, in, in Yiddish and Hebrew. We are counting on you to be the expert on Hasidic culture here. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I'd have to uh, look into that more. But I, I think that I, I'm willing to kind of fan wing that. Um, based on my limited knowledge of Hasidic Jews. So Krusty then could be illiterate of reading English then. It's good. It totally would make sense then. Okay. Yes, I'm sure they did all the research necessary to explain that, that uh, disconnect. I wonder why Krusty says not the face when he gets slapped. Is he is he saying he would prefer a, fa- a slap otherwise if it wasn't in the face? I think the face is the moneymaker. Oh, yes. Don't, yeah, don't hurt his of course, face. Of course. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I also, I love the design on the card of Sex Chat, too. I just wanted to say that. Just such a great, just the gross design uh, on it. Uh, but yeah, also, uh, Brad Bird and Jeffrey Lynch there posing on this is so great like crusty is taller than her normally but for this scene it works so much better that he is sat down and she's towering over him and as she's chewing him out and letting him know he's got to do it like or that she's gonna quit like the posing on it is is so great as as she talks him into it uh, and so he he agrees he's gonna go even though he's gonna miss schnapps night at the friars <laughs> which it sounds uh, a, a bunch of uh, old friars drunk on schnapps specifically <laughs> that's uh, what a fun vision of <laughs> But but yeah, so instead, uh, for the sixth time, he agrees. If I was Bart, I still wouldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Even with Marge saying, oh, no, really, he is like, no way. Uh-uh. <laughs> There's there's a really I mean I feel like Brad Bird uh, was trying some some uh, pretty interesting things in this episode I feel like there's some camera mistakes in this next scene because it's always bothered me when Bart says God bless that clown it's a shot of just like his T zone basically yeah yeah. <laughs> I, I don't understand why it does seem it does seem zoomed in to potentially cover a, a mess up on a yeah. animation mistake like maybe yeah. the lip sync was so bad they could not do anything with it so <laughs> they just had to zoom in on bart's like nose and eyes it's, it's avant-garde 
Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's like Dragnet. It's super <laughs> zoomed in. By the way, I, mean, I use the word T zone, which I don't think anyone's used since like 1993. It made it made me think of old commercials. Oh, I think it's it's. I mean, I think it's still an evocative phrase. Okay, cool. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it existed beyond clear sill heads. <laughs> no, it's. I think if, I, I I bought these pore strips, and they say to put them on your chin, your nose, and your T zone. Oh, well, there you go. All right. So, uh, so yes, uh, Krusty arrives at home uh, and uh, just a good joke of Homer saying, like, you think it's him when it's a laughing honky clown. <laughs> uh, and, and, yeah, they mentioned this on the commentary. This is a skill and uh, energy that Krusty rarely shows after this. Like, he's usually not good at clowning or very tired and doesn't want to actually do, you know, tumbling or, uh, well, as he says later, he, t- he phases that out for dirty limericks. Uh, that's right (laughs) there once was a man from enos uh and so uh as as he's doing his pratfalls and punchinello antics millhouse arrives which uh you know was a i don't think i ever invited myself on a trip like that but as a kid i often i think contemplated it like i know Hmm. they're going somewhere maybe they take me to disneyland millhouse is really emerging as the best friend he was basically defined as bart's best friend in the last episode Mm -hmm. and all the other friends just evaporated (laughs) richard and lewis uh turned to sand millhouse is now number one actually this this invite Inviting yourself into meet a famous person thing. I think we knew a person in the games press who did that to a game developer who was coming for an interview, and mm. the person didn't get to get to do the interview. But they're like, "Oh, hey, I, I just happened to be here today." How's hey, it going? that's called the hustle, right? Yes. Yeah, doing the hustle. <laughs> I don't think it helped that person very much, though. As, as you as you pointed out, I mean, like Bart made the mistake of bragging to Milhouse incessantly about this, mm-hmm. so it was only a matter of time. Uh, before you would show up. See, now me and Bob know that you're hanging out with a Beetlejuice actor all the time. We're going to invite ourselves to your place. <laughs> I, You know what? Go, You go right ahead. You're always welcome. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're talking about Jewish culture. Uh, secular white people culture is if your friend comes over and you're eating dinner, that friend goes home. Yes. Yeah, uh, you know, the Millhouse dressed up and everything. Bart's being nice. I love how he says yeah. you can drop the charade. Like, charade. He doesn't say charade. He says charade. So yes, this is when Lisa tells him he doesn't have to do all this stuff. And so he he then tells his monkey to wait outside. You know, the wiki says that his first appearance was on Itchy and Scratchy in March, but I went back through that. I don't think Mr. Teeny's in there. I yeah, think this is Mr. Teeny's first appearance. That's suspect, or at least his first voice role, his first speaking role, I guess. It's possible in the background with Krusty there's a monkey somewhere, but yeah. I, I don't think it's Mr. Teeny. Oh, Lewis. No, I was just, I mean, I, I it seemed like the first Mr. Teeny appearance to me. Though he I, I believe there was an unrelated monkey in an earlier episode. Yeah, there's not to say there weren't monkeys before, but this monkey is officially Mr. Well, he won't be named Mr. Teeny until Homer alone, which is when Krusty uh, is stuck in traffic behind Marge, uh, who's locked down traffic, and he says, Mr. Teeny spilled ice cream all over the... It's like, oh, Mr. Teeny, you spilled ice cream all over the car. Like, so <laughs> that's that's when he got his name. But uh, it's just, there's something, again, it feels very old of like, it, that it still is, it, it's still to this day crusty hangs out with a monkey that smokes that's always or a chimp i suppose i shouldn't say monkey the I homer ch- calls i think he's monkey. a chimp yeah i mean i guess i i my thought always goes to michael jackson and bubbles you know the phenomenon of a celebrity having a a, a chimp best friend which bieber tried and then i think he had to leave the monkey somewhere mm. um reasons but yeah it was you know it was a moment you know i think we're more in tune with animal uh with with animal rights protections that i think the 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 realities of when celebrities 
boutique keep animals it's too many it, it turns into bad pr for the for the yeah no, it's not it was definitely you know of its time you know when we did research on our michael jackson episode of the simpsons we learned that bubbles is still alive and, and uh, monstrously ugly yes yeah which that's that's mean <laughs> to put in an article about him but that's what the that's what the press said yeah that's true yeah he's i actually did know that bubbles is still alive i also just saw the michael jackson musical mj mm. which does contain a reference to bubbles uh, okay i i hear that musical uh is uh, for some reason like stops in 1992 or 93 or so yes for reasons that no one can understand it stops just a year before any uh, allegations of uh, child sexual abuse were made. <laughs> and probably probably uh, just a coincidence. I'm still waiting for the Bubbles uh, POV movie. <laughs> yeah, Dan Harmon promised us that. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think after seeing MJ, I'm good for a bit, but I would like to see some other takes on it. I also was upset they included the Pepsi uh, commercial incident, but uh, it was kind of happening off stage. Oh. Um sound of an explosion and his hair catching fire but i wanted to see the hair on fire that could um, that could have been it's that could have been it's phantom chandelier is every night you get to watch him catch on I, fire there's another sort of stagecraft moment that is hmm. the equivalent of a chandelier so um hmm. you know what i had a good time it wasn't even a good show but uh, i enjoyed <laughs> it and here i am about it we're uh, so far i did beetlejuice and mj as shows you must see <laughs> and uh so yes it's time to say grace uh i love bart's slap on millhouse as he's is millhouse is starting to say grace <laughs> and yes as a child i thought he was saying funny talk i didn't know what these words were that uh, crusty was saying it was i i was that's what's great about the scene that homer is the child at home watching who doesn't know this while lisa the eight-year-old is is recognizes <laughs> it instantly as hebrew and knows that it knows it is a sign that crusty is jewish I, yeah, I, I was very, um, this was the moment that I was like so excited because I, of course, instantly recognized it as someone who went to Jewish day school and, and had to say that before eating anything. There's a prayer for eating and for drinking. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I really wish I could remember exactly when I saw this, but I remember being like pleasantly surprised by it. And I, and I wonder if that was because I wasn't seeing a ton of Jewish characters on the shows that I was watching um, because I certainly was surrounded by Jews. So I, I didn't I, I didn't know until later in life that not everyone was Jewish as someone who like grew up in a Jewish neighborhood and went to Jewish day school. But certainly, you know, seeing it on TV was still was still exciting. You know, I, I should say in my my youth, I uh, I grew up in the South. And yes, I did not know any Jewish kids or at least I if I if there were kids in class who were Jewish, I didn't know that to be a fact. And I, I later uh, one of my best friends when I, I started in the games press uh she she was jewish and also uh grew up in the south in texas and she talked about like well yes there's there's a reason jews in texas don't talk as much about as being jewish in mm -hmm. in the south it's because they'll be treated pretty shittily uh, the more they talk about it so that uh that that was my understanding of what the, the plight of a lot of uh jews in s southern areas mm -hmm. like where i grew up which is uh, unfortunate well my connection with this scene is that uh i i recognize millhouse's grace because we had to say it before lunch at a 
at school every day mm. and it was said with the cadence of i pledge allegiance <laughs> to the flag it was like bless us O lord with these are gifts we were just going through the motion so we could finally eat our, our dunkaroos or whatever so i was like hey i've never heard this prayer on tv before crusty's bringing a lot of energy to his prayer yeah it's it. true yeah. <laughs> millhouse is, is he's trying to like soup it up a bit oh yeah he's yeah. he's he's performing for company for sure but, but as crusty says a prayer before eating the waterworks come who wants to say grace why don't we let our guests do it bless us oh lord hey crusty would you do the honors well all right i'm a little rusty but um i'll try talking funny talk. No, Dad, that's Hebrew. Krusty must be Jewish. A Jewish entertainer? Get out of here. Dad, there are many prominent Jewish entertainers, including Lauren Bacall, Don Shore, William Shatner, and Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks is Jewish? Krusty, are you all right? Yes, it's just that saying the bracha brings back a lot of painful memories. The old days, my, my father. <laughs> hey, Krusty, you gonna finish that meatloaf or what? <laughs> that that was some real recycled animation there of Homer asking about the meatloaf. Like, I think they didn't want to just leave it on Krusty crying. I'd have just left it on his crying. I think. I, I it's more powerful that way. But yeah, poor Krusty just sobbing. I also yeah, a new level of stupidness to Homer here that he does not know that Mel Brooks <laughs> is Jewish. That he's like Mel of all people, Mel Brooks is Jewish. What? He'll meet him in about four years, right? Oh, that's right, three yeah. years. Yeah, I thought that was like that was a great uh, bit, and I think that the biggest laughs for me rewatching this were the Mel Brooks joke and also Homer's, uh, as you mentioned earlier. Do you think that's him when when Krusty arrives at the door, uh, <laughs> making clown sounds? I think we're like really really great uh, Homer moments. You know, probably I learned a lot about Judaism from watching Mel Brooks films as well as a kid. Just, uh, I saw Spaceballs 167 times yes, and yeah. it taught me a lot. You know, see, again, as a little, yeah, the first, until teen years, the joke about her original nose or that she doesn't look Druish. Druish, like those yeah. Those jokes flew right over the old head there. Yeah. But anywho, so all right, they come back from commercial. I also love Lisa's line of like, poor Krusty, he's a black velvet painting come to life. Like Lisa has a lot of little funny asides in this. Uh, same with her like pratfalls and Punchinello antics. Like she's, a, this is as uh, illiterate as Lisa gets in, in her uh, references here. Uh, and so Krusty is uh, pushed to tell his story where he takes us back to uh, the old neighborhood of his youth in our next clip. First of all, my real name isn't Krusty the Clown. It's Herschel Kristofsky. My father was a rabbi. His father was a rabbi. His father's father... Well, you get the idea. My father was the most respected man in the Lower East Side of Springfield. People would come from miles around to ask his advice. Reb Kristofsky, should I finish college? Yes, no one is poor except he who lacks knowledge. Rabbi, should I have another child? Yes, another child would be a blessing on your house. Rabbi, should I buy a Chrysler? Uh, could you rephrase that as, a, as an ethical question? Um, is it right to buy a Chrysler? Oh, yes. <laughs> For great is the car with power steering and Dynaflow suspension. Papa, when I grow up, can I be a clown? No, clown is not a respected member of the community. But I want to make people laugh. Herschel. Life is not fun. Life is serious. Seltzer is for drinking. 
Not for spraying, priors for mushing, not for throwing. The papa can't. But nothing. Do as I say, or you'll get such a zets that you won't even know what hit you. Apparently, zets is Yiddish for hitting or a hit. I suppose that's that's what Google. All these things are Google translations for me, but that's what it says. What zets mean? I know. I think that that's probably accurate. And uh, but yes, that's the big guest star, Jackie Mason. Yes, born Yakov Moisha Maza in Sheboygan. Sheboygan. That's a lot of funny words, right? <laughs> uh, but he died last year at the age of 93. Uh, uh, yeah, last year, 2021. So a fairly yeah. recent passing, uh, Jackie Mason. Yeah, I. it's so crazy with Jackie Mason. He was like the inverse. I have so many uh, celebrities where I'm like, oh, I forgot they died kind of thing. But for him, it was the opposite. Over and over again, probably for like a decade, I was like, ah, oh, Jackie Mason, RIP. Like, no, he's not dead. He's still, yeah, I mean, he lived in 93. Maybe it was like Henny Youngman died and i was like oh that's hmm. I, I just put them together he played the violin too right <laughs> yeah <laughs> comedically i think jackie mason's you know year his vitriol um kept him alive for a long time just <laughs> his like his meanness and 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 misanthropy um that'll take you to a to a ripe old age and he appeared uh at least three other times as this character dan would play him a few times but they did kill him off in i believe 2015 or something like that yeah season 26 they'd uh they considered killing him off in 2008 uh then they in his appearance before that but they decided not to i remember when uh hyman Kristofsky passed away on the show they advertised it with one of those ads that was like this week someone dies on the simpsons a beloved character had a bunch of heads of all these major characters <laughs> and then down in the corner was rabbi Kristofsky, and i was like all right i he, know i know who's dying here he was never popular <laughs> <laughs> it was the season premiere, right? I think so, yeah. Premiere and I remember those uh those ads and and I feel like it was somehow like people thought Krusty was going to die or it was so there was some sort of like there was a vibe uh, or maybe that was part of the ad campaign I don't, I don't remember hmm. but um the feeling was that Krusty was going to die I learned a ton about Jackie Mason uh, by doing research about him including the fact that his uh, career was incredibly derailed in the 60s because he pissed off Ed Sullivan he was doing a spot on Ed Sullivan and the urban legend is that he flipped Ed Sullivan off and that aired on TV that's not what happened yeah. Ed, Ed Sullivan gave him the two minute signal like you have two more minutes and Jackie Mason was like like kind of doing a mocking gesture back at him Ed Sullivan was so vindictive he did not let him back on the show and Jackie Mason blames that for derailing his career in the 60s wow so man. it's the uh, it's the, it's one of those urban legends like the one about how uh, the kid show host said that'll hold those little SOBs it didn't actually happen wow okay man that's that's so funny that that's why I uh, well they mentioned on the commentary that like Jackie Mason trained as a rabbi and that he then instead decided to, to go into comedy instead and so it's uh, it's funny well a, a great casting then to play a rabbi who hates entertainment yeah uh, <laughs> and at this point in his career i think starting in the 80s he was getting a lot of acclaim for doing these one-man shows so this got him a second emmy this performance this first emmy was for the one-man show the world according to me uh so yeah he was uh doing these big one-man shows on broadway i think he was doing the up doing them up until uh 2010 i believe like wow. the the or the late or the late aughts probably he was the billy crystal of his day speaking of billy crystal mr saturday night now on now on broadway starring billy crystal Ooh, um, man i just i had to mention the third broadway show um <laughs> you know not really a, a jackie mason fan in, in any way really but i i do appreciate his performance here the shtick works for the character 
Sort of like how I don't really get Roddy Dangerfield, but I didn't mind him on The Simpsons. Sometimes <laughs> it's almost animated, it just goes down easier. One last thing, uh, because the uh, Gil- Gilbert Goffey just left us, by the way, and his his podcast was a great source of information about old Hollywood and old TV. And from that podcast, I know that Ed Sullivan was just an, a humorless, vindictive prick <laughs> with so many vendettas. He should never have been hosting that show. How he ended up in that slot, nobody knows, but he had zero sense of humor and was just bad at his job. But he used <laughs> his power to destroy careers wow he's yeah. not the comical really big shoe guy he sucked <laughs> oh wow I, I mean i think anyone who's watched an ed sullivan clip could, could tell you that that guy sucks no um, one remembers him has very little charisma uh you know the uh this design of old springfield or the east side of springfield is uh it's taken from godfather part two though so it re- it it uh, replaces italians with the with jewish people uh but uh it's same same kind of you know immigrant style i guess to it but i i love too the design the design of kid crusty it's like his yarmulke putting it on his head shapes his big hair into the crusty hmm. hair like that's what i i really like about the design of it like he's he's not trying to have clown hair it's just part part of what uh, the the yarmulke shapes it into i feel like it's a very heavy Yamaka. Yes. Uh, you know, it's uh, his, his dad got industrial strength. Well, I uh, I also like the Yiddle. Yeah, the, the Yiddle joke shop also sells medical supplies. That's an important part of his business. You know, he can't just make the money off of just uh, practical joke things. He also needs to sell medical supplies. Though also the story of him making fun of his dad, I feel like it would be big news that, uh, at least within the community, that the rabbi strangled his son in the middle of class in front of a bunch <laughs> of other children. I don't know. Oh, it was, uh, it, was uh, it was the 50s, I guess. Maybe that stuff didn't leave the, the, the school. But uh, but yeah, so Bart then gets strangled as well right after that when he says, like, I don't even like using the bathroom after you on bar, uh, on Homer, which that's real like, uh, but um, that's, that's a good line. They snuck in a poop joke during this emotional storytelling. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and then they follow up that poop joke with a masturbation joke. That's right. Hey, folks, remember Port Noise Complaint? The famous <laughs> adaptation of the Philip Roth novel? <laughs> sure. Anyone? Well, guess what there's a famous masturbation scene in that movie that's from the book and that's a parody of it uh crusty spraying himself in the face with seltzer it's a pretty filthy joke and i read that book just to get this joke i was (laughs) unemployed uh during the one of the biggest recessions in my lifetime i was like i might as well read this book and i read it and it's fine It, it really feels like a book your boomer american lit teacher would give you anything from like philip roth or john updake or john irving or john cheever a lot of johns in there uh it just feels like this is a coming of age book but it's only really relevant if you're a boomer emphasis on coming yes yeah i always thought of it as like capture the rye for jews Hmm. um but i think your comparisons are probably more apt it's like it was a famously like challenged book because it's like a lot of uh it's a coming of age story but it's like it spares it doesn't pull any punches it's a lot of the really body humor that honestly is like kind of tame today but still in in the sick late 60s years ago shocked a lot of people right i mean yeah i mean mostly what it was i i mean i knew it as a piece of media i never read it or, or seen adaptations but i knew it as a piece of media because it's about him yanking it you know or it's just philip roth describes probably the a slightly above average uh, adolescent boy's amount of self uh pleasure mm-hmm. uh but in such detail that it really sticks with you especially the the liver aspect of it as well oh, right yeah it's like the first american pie uh movie yeah. really yes, because yeah. instead of fucking a pie he fucks a piece of liver yes yes do we think that the censors did not 
understand the reference and that's why it got in there because it feels like the kind of joke that they would not have let pass oh yeah they, the joke was being made if if the if the censors knew that Krusty was basically coming in his own face with that joke <laughs> I don't think they let it on TV. <laughs> uh, I I love Jackie Mason's acting in that scene too. He's like, open the door this instant. Like he's, he's it's more like uh, Jackie Mason is acting it out. Not not very naturalistic, I guess. But that's what makes it funny. <laughs> uh, but yes, the the seltzer in the face is is uh, the quite quite a great metaphor there. <laughs> so yes, after all of this, they, it feels like they miss a step. That the Krusty says, "Oh, my big break was this uh, this thing in the Catskills." But I was like, "Well, wait, how'd you book that?" crusty why is all of a sudden you're on stage like there's it feels like there's a missing part here hmm. but uh but yeah this so this is where it gets really jazz singery though uh, fortunately it, it, the, the clown makeup replaces blackface from, uh, from the original <laughs> al jolson one or oh i never thought of that like they're both wearing makeup yes, Both characters yeah, yeah. yeah but yes and even in the original it is also about a uh i believe uh, a jewish father as well that does. so in this sequence here we we get to hear the uh well actually they even just directly reference jazz singer in the yeah. scene here do you know that my son herschel was first in his yeshiva class as a matter of fact he was voted the most likely to hear god oh go on hyman you're exaggerating again you're so proud of your son a rabbi would never exaggerate a rabbi composes he creates thoughts he tells stories that may never have happened but he does not exaggerate my father would have never suspected a thing we're not for one rowdy rabbi hey funny man no, 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 no. You have brought shame on our family. Oh, if you were a musician or a jersey, this I could forgive, but 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 this <laughs> I never want to see you again! Yo you clown <laughs> And I haven't seen my father since. That is so sad. Krusty, do you think about your father a lot? All the time. Except when I'm at the track, then it's all business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor, poor Krusty is fine. I mean, because he can't be more than like, what, 15 there? Then his dad disowns him. Like he's, uh, did he just like join the circus after that and go on the road? I uh, guess they haven't spoken in 25 years and that was the last time. So yeah, yeah we don't know how old Krusty is yet. They'd age him up a bit uh, yeah. next year. You know, the next year, Johnny Carson will say, you've been on TV longer than me, which would make <laughs> yeah. him like in his mid 50s. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, that's it's it's a sad scene. But uh, but yes, it's also funny that he he literally says, "If you were an entertainer or a jazz singer, this I could forgive." But then but a clown, uh, just just to get right. So yeah, I I didn't watch the Neil Diamond Dad jazz singer before this, but I did watch uh, the the trailer. Is so funny because they just talk up Neil Diamond so much, and he's like they're saying like, "Oh, the the greatest singer who sold fifty million albums is going to be this this great actor." And every scene they show is like he is so bad at acting he's just so he's just like looking right at the camera like I'd, I'd never do anything to hurt my father but i gotta get to la <laughs> and just, <laughs> i think the the original is only known for being the first feature length talkie well yeah, yeah and that's basically it. no one's sitting down to watch it you know mm-hmm uh, yeah, I, I mean, and now it's it's very culturally. In, uh, well, I mean, it was honestly forty years ago. People were like, well, the jazz, the the Al Jolson jazz singer. This this looks really bad. Wow, it, isn't it hard? There's a, there's a there's a shocking amount of blackface in lots of movies from that era, including ones that have main state kind of as classics, but with an asterisk. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I think what Holiday Inn, right? Or is it 
or is it White Christmas? One of those two has. I, maybe both of those movies have blackface in them. <laughs> you know, I wa- I just rewatched Singing in the Rain. They talk a lot about the jazz singer, but not once does anyone dip into the shoe polish in that movie. That's good. That's good. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, but in the yeah, the big story in in the Neil Diamond jazz singer is that he was a terrible actor. That they like they they couldn't get him to act, and that they then like fired the director and had to hire a second one on it, and that also uh, Lawrence Olivier just did it entirely for the money and his agreement was like i will not do one second of promotion for this <laughs> like you and uh, I, I mean he yes he the the character saying i have no son and tearing his sleeve that that is the the lawrence olivier version mm. that gets referenced in, in including in this episode and on the uh, commentary you can hear brad bird bemoan the fact that this scene didn't transition correctly because he wanted the closing spotlight he wanted that scene to fade into the simpsons kitchen table and when the spotlight completely closes the light snuffs out on the table in front of crusty when it fades to crusty the lights are already out the candles yeah, are already out so it's too bad he's like you try to make all these things work but there's like all this overseas miscommunication you only have so much money and time so at least he let us know like what he wanted to do it would have looked nice you know you get close enough it's it's and it's it's so sad seeing him like crusty just walk away the little young crusty walk away sobbing with his you know uh menorah of uh, (laughs) balloons that's it's it's sad it's sad and then what a great a little uh moment here that after that you see that crusty is a very very needy person who just like (laughs) it's that that's the other side of him here crusty has been pushing them away and doing nothing with them and now once he's there he's like i'm not leaving like i'm here all day i've, I've <laughs> i have no family like i it's it's so it's it's a great joke like what a great way to a place to take a sad character with crusty and that he's looking for excuses to stay this actually that that he makes millhouse cry and this is the next clip <laughs> is my favorite bit mm, well look at the time Almost midnight. Do you have any yearbooks? No, that's it. You've seen everything. So, uh, Millhouse, know any knock-knock jokes? (laughs) I want to go home. (laughs) Maybe you better take Millhouse home. Gladly. Wow, the concert for Bangladesh. (laughs) Good night, Krusty. Sorry about your dad. Don't worry about me. I'm a survivor. Hey, did I leave my keys inside? No! Oh, yeah, here they are. Uh, the, just the way Milhouse bursts into tears, like I want to go home. Like he he can't act nice anymore. He's just so tired. <laughs> that concert for Bangladesh album is a hundred minutes long. That's and the, the track Krusty puts on is seventeen minutes long. Although he skips like what the George Harrison intro. There's like yes, a little spoken yeah. intro <laughs> where where it's George Harrison demanding all the cool people in the audience say like be respectful to Ravi Shankar and listen to this music and then we'll play the rock music. Okay, which people do sit through it and it is it, for Xers or boomers they're like god I had to I always skip that Ravi Shankar song at the start of concert for Bangladesh I want to get straight to George Harrison <laughs> I, I found all the uh, the crusty lingering stuff to be kind of touching I think it's a great it's a great gag it's also kind of sad and and funny although I think yeah the Millhouse crying to leave part is is definitely the, the highlight but yeah I don't know I, li- I like him feeling so desperate for human connection that he uh, that he won't leave I like thinking that you know all of these comedy producers they know all these all these celebrities that they must be basing this on some famous person who like let's just say tom cruise just to name a famous 
person that <laughs> is like, oh, Tom Cruise, it turns out he has no actual friends and so and he can just be around normal people. He he like wants to never leave just to <laughs> soak it all in. Like just uh, just the sad neediness of it all from Krusty. There's, there's a similar story about uh, one of the SNL head writers. I think it happened after this, but uh, it might have been Jim Downey actually where uh, like he kept having all the writers uh, get together on like Saturdays and Sundays, but they wouldn't write anything. He would just make them watch college basketball games he taped. <laughs> and it's because he was going through a divorce and was really lonely. Oh. So he was forcing his employees to hang out with him. <laughs> and you know, that's the power of the showrunner. You make people. <laughs> if it wasn't Jim Downey, I'm sorry, Jim Downey, yeah, but you don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> So yes, Krusty makes a sad walk home. There's what a uh, not not at all timely joke now about like boy. There's so many niche magazines. Who'd ever think is so many niche magazines? There's a magazine for everything. One for every video game console. That'll never last. <laughs> I mean, I was I I think Modern Jewish Father magazine is a great idea. Um, and I love the cover of like the the old desktop with the uh, Jewish father and son. Yes, and, and Krusty's reaction to it, like his sobbing, like what great animation do he's like ah, like he just turns around and cries, and and then that yes, that is his final stop because he's not going to sleep or go home. He's just gonna sit in an empty bus station all night watching t quarter operated black and white TV. And I have I have that as my Zoom background. The bus driver is asleep like on a couch next to him no bus is operating right now he's drunk uh, though he's definitely drunk right he oh, got wasted I, I think so that's, that's how I saw it and another very boomery thing making fun of old bad Hercules movies that are poorly dubbed yes yes Hercules you'll never escape <laughs> I wonder you know the way he says mighty Hercules it reminded me of Crankor from Prince of Space mm. so he uh, in that that other 60s classic I was on MSD3 game like Prince of Space there, uh, this is Hercules versus the Martians there was like Hercules conquers the moon men or something yeah, that was on Misty. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh and and then that seemingly crusty uh often does this in his life of like stays up all night, gets drunk, and then calls his dad but doesn't have the guts to say anything of just like man it's you know it's real dark stuff with with crusty here that was hercules against the moon man i apologize ah, thank you you prevented a comment i was gonna say you were gonna get a lot of complaints if you had to fix that <laughs> so then there's a quick little cartoon of of children a father and son killing another father and son which uh i i have the quick clip here but the animation of this is some of my favorite animation in the series ever and it's by brad bird in it because it's just he heard Dan's line reading of this next scene, and he's like, I have to animate this. Uh, is that here? <laughs> didn't Itchy Jr. look happy playing with his father? Didn't Scratchy Jr. look happy playing with his dad until they got run over by the thresher? Wasn't that a beautiful cartoon? <laughs> oh, God, cut to a commercial. Poor Krusty. A man who envies our family is a man who needs help. We've got to do something. Let's move. I just love that he's like he's he's so close to sobbing the whole time and then once he finally busts he's like for the love of God go to commercial like what do I pay you guys for <laughs> go to commercial I'm sobbing on TV uh, just his red his red eyes because he's been staying up all night too and just the, his breakdown just God I love every second of that yeah it reminds me a lot of a similar scene in a movie that's not great but I am very nostalgic for that's UHF it's after uh, Weird Al's girlfriend breaks up with him he is he's playing a 
like a crusty roll. He's hosting like a cartoon uh, post show, right? On right, that show, on right. the on the movie, and uh, they cut back from a Roadrunner cartoon, and he just has a, like a nervous breakdown about how life is always smashing you in the face, right. and you could never right. win. Right. right. It's one of the best uh, Weird Al performances ever. Uh, I got to recommend that part of UHF at least. I, I, I'm not here for the UHF slander, but I admittedly have not revisited UHF in a very long time, uh, and I'll probably keep it that way. <laughs> the one thing that doesn't uh, age well is the Asian people jumping out of the closet and yelling supplies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I do like I, I do like him screaming stupid. You're so stupid. Yeah. That, you know, that made me laugh. Michael Richards, good yeah. performance. A pre-Kramer Michael Richards. That's right. Henry, yeah. he's apologized. He has, he has. No, honestly. <laughs> I was doing I, I think of the people in that movie, Weird Al is probably the age the best uh, in terms of how we feel about Weird Al now. Fran Drescher also. Yeah. Um, Victoria Jackson. She's less. the lowest, honestly. Like, yeah. Well, it, she uh, she wishes she had Michael Richards' oh, problems. Oh, boy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, Fran Drescher, she's a total babe in that movie, too. Fran oh, Drescher. God, yes. Yeah, but, uh, you, you know, I, I liked UHF. I liked it a lot as a kid. Maybe I'll go back and watch. Maybe it's not as good as I remember. But, uh, it, but yeah, I, I, there's something about just a, a person on TV trying not to cry and just keeping on a brave face. Like, there's just something so funny about it, and especially that it's a clown, that it's a TV's kids cartoon clown trying not to cry in front of his in front of his projector just so good that lisa says you know a man who envies our family is a man who needs help like that's a great uh, you talk about this being a sequel to crusty gets busted as well like this is basically the same moment in crusty gets busted yeah. where they watch tv and bart and lisa are like okay time to investigate they're gonna solve the problem it's the bobsy twins going on an adventure <laughs> first they had to reverend lovejoy which is a cute you know, honestly, they could have just found his name in a phone book and get to the next scene. But I like that they had to ask their their reverend for it, and that that his first reaction was just like, "Oh wait, well, you know what? You you don't need to convert. Like uh, we're working we're working hard to get, uh, stay with modern Christians." Though ten years later, he loses Lisa to, uh, to Buddhism. That's instead true. Of Judaism. The, yeah. This scene reminds me of telling people about your podcast. I wrote down the same thing. <laughs> I wrote down the same thing. <laughs> Oh, you know what? Oh, I'm so behind on podcasts. I'm sorry. You know, yeah. I've, I've been meaning to listen. Uh, uh, even me and you could just be like, I got a T-shirt right here. Do you want it? Like, yeah. I'll wear it later. Yeah. <laughs> we actually have T-shirts. We do. <laughs> yes. Do you have Gavin About God T-shirts? Uh, no, but I'm going to tell my wife to make some for yeah. our uh, tea public store. Yeah. I'm going to ask her and we'll pay her to make some. Yes, yes. Let yes. Me, I'm going to make her make some. <laughs> that came out wrong. I'm sorry. We, we have paid her well for all of the for all the T-shirts. I know she's designs. listening. Yeah. <laughs> But I also love that the way Bart says, yeah, we'll put it on later. Just put it, we'll, we'll wear it later. <laughs> no, it's, uh, yes. Uh, basically, Reverend Lovejoy has his own podcast, which uh, he, and also I love that he has to pull up Rabbi uh, Christofsky's number in his non-Christian Rolodex. That's <laughs> a funny, good joke, oh, too. Our Patreon miniseries about Batman, the animated series, is called Blabbing About Batman. I'm, I'm referencing this That's with right. that, with that, that title. That is why we called it that. Uh, I totally forgot. And, uh, I need a great a great name for a podcast um, for people who don't get the reference, who just think it's you know a phrase you came up with because yeah. um, it works either way. I'm not that clever. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, then after uh, a quick search, Bart and Lisa approach the rabbi. Rabbi Krastovsky. I do a radio call-in show with him every Sunday night. Really? I didn't know that. Gee, I, I'm mentioning it in my sermon every week. 
Oh, oh, that radio show. Oh, yeah, it's all the kids talk about on Monday at school. <laughs> oh, well, why don't you have a free T-shirt? You'll be the coolest kids in the playground. <laughs> we'll put them on later. Now, can you give us a rabbi's address? Oh, sure thing. Let me just check my non-Christian Rolodex. I bet the rabbi misses Krusty. He'll be so happy he'll be crying in his beard. Excuse us, Rabbi Kristofsky? Oh, what can I do for you, my young friend? We came to talk to you about your son. I have no son! Oh, great. We came all this way and it's the wrong guy. I didn't mean that literally. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Uh, what a good... That's a good... Because uh, Bart and Lisa don't get the reference. Do you think the Rocco's Modern Life episode, I Have No Son, is also referencing that? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. I thought so too. Yeah. That's a classic. And now that and now that character uh has transitioned. That's right. Yeah. But uh, but I love I also love just the that the you know the rabbi he even at this along in his career he is still studying the scripture like so engul- engrossed. He's just like, "Oh, yes, very good. like he's 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 really into it even to this day." I don't know what else you do as a rabbi, to be honest. It <laughs> seems like kind of need to, to keep studying it. But yeah, I mean, that's what that's what rabbis are there for. We we find out later he's not just a rabbi; he's a moil as well. So he's a busy, busy guy. But yeah, so actually, that's the one bit of Jewish culture Seinfeld taught me about. Ah, uh, yes, the yeah. moil. That uh, that is how I learned about it as well. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Uh, though then also South Park then did a, they did a Moyle episode uh, soon afterwards too I suppose yes later in life I learned about Judaism through South Park probably a bad place to learn about Judaism perhaps <laughs> but especially because I, I, Matt Stone is like not a particularly Jewish person or as in like religious person I should say but anyway, all right, we come back for the commercial break. We get to hear the KBBL uh, jingle. And I love that the announcer even just says that, like, oh, yeah, this is a legal obligation. We're filling <laughs> Sunday Night Dead Zone with with unpopular programming. I, I, I like this producer or engineer character. And I, I just got the joke now where he doesn't well, I mean, want to be there. That's obvious. But his frustration is with the panelists will only say yes or no to every question. That's <laughs> yes. why he's frustrated. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I got that uh, that very subtle joke before because the joke about him being bored to be there well you get that immediately but yeah. he's just so like oh god another yes or no question here we go and in order to keep our broadcasting license we devote sunday night dead time to public service shows of limited appeal in that spirit we bring you gabin about god sponsored by ace religion supply where they say if we don't got it it ain't holy. With us tonight, once again, our very own three wise men, Reverend Timothy Lovejoy, Monsignor Kenneth Daly, and Rabbi Hyman Krastovsky. Hey, good, good to see you again. Nice to see you. Okay, and our first caller is from Shelbyville Heights. Yes, hi. With all the suffering and injustice in the world, do you ever wonder if God really exists? No. Nope. Not for a second. Not at all. Great. Good conversation there. Our next call now is for the good rabbi. Hello? Anybody there? I hear breathing, but I don't hear talking. What's going on here? Hello, mister? Hello, hello? <sighs> Some people got nothing to do but call people and hang up. There's all kinds of Mishigayim in the world. Now, I love that the first question they get is one that you would think any any religious leader would love to just sink their teeth into. Like, you know, with all the problems of the world, how can you believe in God? Uh, do you still believe in God? They just like, 
Oh yeah, yep, yep, yep. And then nothing. They none of them have anything else prepared. They're just like, Duh, not not once have my faith uh, uh, faltered at all. And apparently, uh, Foghat was very tickled by this guy's T-shirt. They got some letters from Foghat. <laughs> That's sweet. The wall say, you know what? What we got a Catholic, we got a Presbyterian, and we have a rabbi. Like, there's come on, there's 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 far more religions than that. But uh, I guess honestly, I'm I. It's a credit to Springfield Freeman inviting a rabbi onto it. I suppose. I don't think that 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 Islam or or Buddhism or any number of other religions had been introduced on the Simpsons yet, right? So they were basically non-existent. I suppose Apu is the only Hindu practitioner in town, and uh, we don't yet know that Lenny and Carl are Buddhists. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, also, with all this religious talk, not one Flanders joke this whole episode. Hmm. You know? He wasn't quite as religious yet. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, and so, yes, the the guy's getting pretty crazy, uh, being pretty tired of these uh, wasteful phone calls. They also get a crust he calls in but then still doesn't talk this is when the rabbi says there's all kind of mishagoyim in the world which i believe is slang for mishagoyim meaning crazy non-jews i believe yeah uh but i mean i, I i've never heard that uh, those words conflated but um sure I'd say, look, I'm just, uh, I, I thank you for uh, for co-signing on that, Lewis. Uh, otherwise, I, I just had Google to go on there. No, I think that's right. I mean, Meshuggah and, and, and Goyam, you can just, I guess you could just mash those words together. Uh, but then they get a little call from Dimitri. Okay, let's clear the board. Our next caller is a young boy from right here in Springfield. Hello, my name's Dimitri. I'm a first-time caller, long-time listener. My question is, if a son defies his father and chooses a career that makes millions of children happy, shouldn't the father forgive the son? I think so. Yes, of course. No way! Absolutely not! Never, never! Who screens these calls? <laughs> Who's in charge here? There's nobody in charge! They leave a building without people watching it, and anybody who wants could call Don't worry, Lise. I got a plan that can't fail. You don't know, man, you're a genius. Mm, I love my work. Oh, the best charity is to give. And not let other people know. Mm. But what if your example hmm, encourages others to give? Ah. Speaking of charity, Rabbi Krustowski, don't you think it's time you forgave your son? Don't you understand that my boy broke my heart? He turned his back on our traditions, on our faith, and on me. Get out of here, you little pisher. Uh, according to Google, pisher is Yiddish for young, inexperienced, presumptuous person. Or pisser. Uh, <laughs> they got away with saying pisser on TV. <laughs> no, I, I also love that Bart's question is the first time anybody on that show has ever shown any passion and he just like loses it. Like who, who screens these calls? Like he's just uh, un, uncharacteristically just fed up. Like not even even hearing that his respected co-hosts on the show are are totally fine with these is like no never never also i like that bart thinks it's a it's a really funny cut to me now that bart says i got a plan that can't fail cut to bart dressing up in an honestly like insulting costume of an old rabbi like it'll uh i guess he's being paid well to participate in this hey maybe he's uh, he loves his work he's doing it for free maybe I, I, I have no problem with Bart's outfit, so I, I sign up on that on behalf of the Jews. <laughs> I I also love that Yiddle's still in business, you know? He was he was running his joke shop when Krusty was a boy, now Bart's a boy, and he's still running it, you know? That's, that's sweet. That's the consistent business. That shows you he loves his work. But yes, also that it's, you know, Bart just comes in on a bunch of rabbis philosophizing, and, and he's just like, just in Bart saying, hey, speaking of uh, speaking of charity, do you know think you should get, forgive yourself? just like <laughs> not not uh, the best writing tactless. Yeah. 
Bart gives up there. Lisa's got a new plan, though, for Izzy's Deli. And this is where there was a big old change in the episode. That's right. The original celebrity that was going to meet Krusty there, uh, well, I guess the original ruse was to involve the writer Isaac Bishop as singer. But he died in July of 1991 while this has been in production. So they changed it to uh, Saul Bellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they put it on the commentary. Uh, he would not want to meet Saul Bellow as much as he would want to meet Singer. So they were sad that Singer died for lots of reasons, but it would be a better joke if he had survived yeah. to, for this original airing. Yeah, the timing on it, they recorded. I feel especially bad for, you know, Jackie Mason, who thought he'd only have one recording because like they in April record him saying Isaac Bashevis. And then in July, Isaac Bashevis dies. And so before October, he has to re-record the Saul Bellow line. But, but they also have to keep it. I think they didn't change him saying the Nobel Prize winning Jewish novelist because that is also true about Saul Bellow, mm-hmm. which I think I think that's why they went with Saul Bellow. They're like, okay, is there any other Nobel Prize winning Jewish novelist other than Saul Bellow? I, uh, surely, there are, surely there are more at this point. Oh, um, sure. You could make a whole list. But um, I think they should have just kept the original joke and done what Jeopardy does and have a little disclaimer about when it was recorded <laughs> so that no one's offended by the reference to a dead person. Oh, wow. I didn't know the, I didn't know that was the, the Jeopardy style there. Wow. I don't know if it's always been the style. It's come up a lot recently because they had a series. I mean, they had a whole category that was like countries that border Russia. And uh, oh. they had to add a little disclaimer that it was recorded in January. Wow, man. I, I, you know, I was just thinking that there was, there was a big winning streak by a performer, uh, someone on Jeopardy over the, the Christmas time I saw with, I was at home with my mom and that's the only time I watched Jeopardy. And I saw like, oh, this, this woman is on a, on a streak, like, uh, breaking the record for the longest streak a woman's had on it. And she's from Oakland. So I was like, oh, a local, local person doing great on it. And then I find out later she, you know, those were filmed months ago and she just had to like, she couldn't do any interviews or anything until her streak was over because it would have spoiled uh her her appearance on the show yeah her big uh her big like tell interview was published the night she was eliminated or that episode aired there's just another long run by another contestant matea for the lesbian from canada I think that's her bio on twitter um <laughs> great because it's been all queer people with uh, very long runs on Jeopardy and people at home getting really angry about it, um, <laughs> which is extra fun. But yes, they do. They they do. Um, the, there's that category, and it was a Putin question and they, or answer, and they had a disclaimer about it because Putin had never done anything bad prior <laughs> to. Uh, invading Ukraine so mm. that was added later <laughs> uh, but so yes the their next plan is honestly a parody of sitcom writing in this next bit here Saul Bellow the Nobel Prize winning Jewish novelist he wants to have lunch with me <laughs> it's a date Izzy's Deli one o'clock I'll be there the French government wants to give me the Legion of <laughs> Honor where do I receive this prestigious award Izzy's Deli one o'clock thank you Monsieur President au revoir Huh. Are you kids ready to order yet? Sorry, no. Just get us another bowl of complimentary pickles. Watch how fast I go. And for you, sir? Oh, let's see. I want a nice sandwich. But the Joey Bishop, uh, too fatty. The Jackie Mason, I don't know. Sauerkraut makes me gassy. The Bruce Willis, I don't even like his work. What is this? Crusty the Clown? That's ham, sausage, and bacon with a smidge of mayo. What? I'm white bread. Listen. You tell Mr. Saul Bellow, the Nobel Prize winning Jewish novelist, that I lost my appetite. 
Could you direct me to President Francois Mitterrand's table? You think you're funny? 50 million Frenchmen can't be wrong. It's definitely a joke about uh, Jerry Lewis not being funny, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, that, that is what it's about. Yes. The, the French love not funny people. The Jewish entertainers as well, who also played a clown in a uh, film oh. we still haven't seen. That's right. Harry Shearer seen it. Yeah. He's, he's been bragging about it forever, that Harry Shearer. I think the clock is counting down to when we can see, uh, the is it the clown who cried? The day the clown the cried. The day the clown cried? Okay. Lewis, have you always wanted to see that film like us, that see just how bad it is? Um, I mean, yes, but, I, you know, again, a, a performer who's uber I'm not especially interested in or enjoy, um, but I'm not French. So, um, you know, <laughs> tough, tough to say what, what regional differences, the cultural differences uh, explain that that uh, disconnect but uh, other people who have gotten the french legion of honor you american recipients i should say include james baldwin julia child clint eastwood quincy jones and sully sullenberger so yes uh, many people have received the french uh, 50 million frenchmen can't be wrong about all those people's quality and I'm i think having tom hanks play in a movie is a bigger honor <laughs> in terms of like your you know your lasting celebrity yeah, Tom Plank. Yeah, Tom Planks. Tom Hanks. Uh, like, I'm sure the guy who lived in the airport uh, feels very special now. Uh, <laughs> Elvis's manager feels special from Beyond the Grave. And hell, he's he's dancing around. Sure, and the and the uh, and and the cap Captain Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, you know, yeah, he, I'm sure he feels great. Mr. Rogers and Walt Disney. <laughs> it's just like, in general, it's like, well, this guy's like a kind of just a regular white guy. Tom Hanks. He can do it. He can do it all. <laughs> and I know as a kid, I thought the joke was, ew, what a gross sandwich. That doesn't sound very good. But, you know, now we know. Yes. We're adults. <laughs> the white bread also is a great touch. Mm -hmm. Um just works on a lot of levels <laughs> it's a good punchline just like yeah. the, the how far has he strayed from the path it, yeah. like, the bread right. is even white yeah <laughs> and it's so great to hear the late doris grow this is her biggest role in the show to date obviously she go on to play doris on the critic but uh script supervisor for the show uh just the old salt they loved her so much they wrote a role for her in their next show no she's the greatest yeah she I, would not have survived for the critic season three though no no she no. would have made it into like recording for season three but there, there would be no doris in season four yeah it would have been posthumously released yeah it's uh no i like most of her appearance uh, like her season seven appearances on simpsons no i doris crowd great like yeah i love her like watch how fast i go like that's so great what a great like just old server at a deli like that's a, just a perfect voice as well it's uh lewis at new york deli still they have a lot of named sandwiches still on like celebs i i was thinking about that i cannot tell you the last time i went to a deli because they're extremely expensive for like mediocre food for the most part. I did go to Cantor's when I was in LA recently and they do not have celebrity sandwiches. Um, but they do have overpriced sandwiches. It's like $25 for a sandwich. Mm. It's really, you know, uh, not a good deal. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I always liked the phenomenon of like celebrity sandwiches because I, I assume that they were like created by the celebrities, which I, I don't think that they they ever were i think they were just named after whichever celebrities were popular but i like the idea that if you got famous enough you got to design a sandwich yeah um, which has always been a life goal of mine <laughs> i think seinfeld had a plot about a sandwich too or naming a sandwich didn't it i think i uh, i maybe i, missed I think you're right yeah <laughs> i've also like i've also had places that i would go to a lot like restaurants and I always thought if I ordered the same thing with enough the same changes every time, they would eventually <laughs> name that order after me. Um, 
but it has not happened. You know, I went to when I went to Musso and Frank's recently, I was tempted to get a very expensive thing named after Frank Sinatra. I think it was like a steak or something. I was like, what the f- I'm going to spend $70 on a Sinatra steak? Like, what am I? No, no, no. <laughs> You're paying for the thrill of ordering the Sinatra steak. <laughs> I'm sitting in the same booth Sinatra probably like sexually harassed a woman in. like <laughs> While ordering a hit. <laughs> yes. So, yes, uh, this, this little farce fails as well. I, I also love the animation of from Krusty's back of his just droopy hair going down as he's disappointed at, at learning at the charade. Uh, so, yes, then Lisa... <laughs> but uh, but then Lisa decides, okay, time to actually study uh, the t- the Torah and other and Judaica, and so they go to the library. It's another of like Lisa takes Bart to the library scenes, like we also saw Dead Putting Society. Uh, no no card catalog jokes this time though. Yeah, what the hell, man? But I do like that Bart. Lisa is actually reading a real book, and Bart is doing just a pop up book of Old Testament stuff, apparently. <laughs> uh, with the with the uh, the the flood pop up. Mm-hmm. My, my bar mitzvah portion was noah oh so, so the the story of noah's ark has a, a special resonance for me bart has the correct reading of that story <laughs> save us save us no no <laughs> that is in fact what happens yeah bart tries a new uh trick of reading some i i like to the the way jackie mason says you i told to go away uh but bart actually does i feel like he's just being like stubborn then like the 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 passage lisa got i think does prove it like see look come on forgive he's like uh but the ten commandments all right see you later and he just get he just like says like screw off like i I don't care what that that good quote says i'm just pulling out the old ten commandments for you uh but but this is where i think really a lot of the rabbi consultants came in to help them find the correct passages or good passages that could support (laughs) clowning that they could bring up there's a very like little subtle joke i laughed at for the first time when lisa says i got some dying dynamite stuff from this one rabbi and she oh, names yes. him it's a real person and they give each other high fives like <laughs> yes dynamite rabbi knowledge two little kids high-fiving over this you know a lot when you go to jewish day school a lot of what you learn is like based on it's not really just the torah it's like what rabbis have been arguing about for for hundreds of years so they they do have these um these you know dialogues and and there are lots of i guess relevant quotes from there i have to say i think despite the research they did bart and lisa don't go that deep like there's (laughs) nothing in there that's like you know a a deep cut or anything i think you probably didn't need a rabbi for any of those references but maybe maybe in the early 90s you did Mm, yeah. I, I can't say for sure but things like things like you know the ten commandments are, are pretty surface level <laughs> you know with, with kogan and reese being so non-religious maybe that's why they're like ah, we, we better just hire a real rabbi or something though though also you know graining as well uh they don't mention him in this context but he was very into like if we're gonna have people speak japanese we're gonna hire people who know how to speak japanese and they're gonna say actual the language same same with other uh they, they wanted experts at times I think that's a good a good basic rule that if someone's speaking a foreign language, it shouldn't just be um, made up on the fly. Well, you know, in 1991, not many, not everybody well, did that. Absolutely. That is, it's a low bar, but they cleared it. <laughs> uh, so, yes, uh, Lisa tries something from Rabbi Simon Belden Alzar, <laughs> uh, which, again, uh, which Bart uh, does in a steam room with a bunch of other, just uh, just it's, a bunch of old rabbis steaming it up. It's a fun word. It's called a schwitz. Schwitz. Yes. Yeah. It's a fun word. Yeah. <laughs> but, I still say schwitz all the time. I show up sweaty. You can just say you're schwitz 
good thing. <laughs> that, that makes it, that's, that is cuter than saying sweating. Yeah. And so, <laughs> no, I, I, that's why I don't say sweat or sweaty. Just <laughs> uh, and so, yes, uh, that fails. Bart tries again with a note he steals off of Lisa. And uh, again, this is when, uh, yes, the circumcision is happening again. As a kid, I did not understand this either. <laughs> Just seeing the little hands and legs of, of the baby in front of Bart, is it's fun posing on that. I'm thinking of uh, something that Reese and Gene would do a few years later with Rabbi P.I. There's a scene where he's doing a bris and like the the blade gets shot out of his hands or something like that. Right. Yeah. It's like in the first critic. Schwarzenegger is undercover as a rabbi, which uh, is obviously uh, quite a comedic uh, idea uh, for at least for a sketch, you know, a sketch in 1994. Yes. Yeah. Famous, famous guy who loves Jewish people. uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Just great guy. Whose father was a Nazi. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's uh, anywho. Hey, you know uh, then, hey, he's got that tiny horse now. It's adorable. It's uh, <laughs> and, and his stogies. And he's and he's raising Chris Pratt to be the next Ronald Reagan. I think that's uh, yeah. I think I think that's uh, sadly where we're going with that. But uh, look forward to that in the like, twenty twenty forty. I'm gonna say twenty forty. President President. Forty. That, that's a, that's already an optimistic prediction. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. have elections. Well, you know, President Pratt is is counting on that at least, and then you know, I want to hear his positions before I before I judge. God. <laughs> but but hey, anywho, so everything's failing. Lisa refuses to learn ancient Hebrew, and so they they take a wild swing with a real. Uh, well, it'd be weird to call it a hail mary, I guess, in this in this concept, but uh, a wild swing. Uh, but it works in this next clip. Did not a great man say, and I quote, the Jews are a swinging bunch of people. I mean, I've heard of persecution, but what they went through is ridiculous. But the great thing is, after thousands of years of waiting and holding on and fighting, they finally made it. End quote. Oh, I never heard the plight of my people face so elegantly. Who said that, Rabbi Hillel? Nope. It was Judah the Pious. Nope. My Amonides. Nope. Oh, I got it. The Dead Sea Scrolls. I'm afraid not, Rabbi. It's from Yes, I Can by Sammy Davis Jr., an entertainer. Like your son. <gasps> the Candyman? <laughs> if a performer could think that way, maybe I'm completely upside down on this whole problem. Oh, all the years of joy that I've lost. Why? Because of my stubborn ways. <laughs> there, there, Rabbi. It's not too late. It's, uh, it's a sweet moment, but yeah, they, they bring up on the commentary, they're like, yeah, it's it's crazy that Sammy Davis Jr. is the thing that brings the guy who hates entertainers over to, but, <laughs> but when he says the Candyman, like that shows you he actually is a big fan of Sammy Davis Jr., including like some of his most like maudlin, awful things, like his his cover of the Candyman. He is an, he is an iconic Jew, so I, I, you know, it was an appropriate choice. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting one than than they could have gone with and that's his first of three autobiographies yeah they were really into yes i can they referenced it more than once in the simpsons and must i'm gonna say i think the autobiography comes up several times on the show <laughs> uh i think they also i think they had one that was like yes i can't or yes you can't i think yeah i yeah sammy davis jr also i guess well, wait no he was still alive in 91 wasn't he he i think he died in 1990 oh okay i can double check though but please continue yes uh but but yes the most like show busy man uh who also yes is if this is leading the rabbi to think that like oh if this entertainer could speak so eloquently on my faith then maybe i'm all wrong about this well it's like but crusty 
is not passionate at all about being Jewish. Like they, he promotes pork products for another thing, but then I think he won't get a bar mitzvah until like season 15 or something. So here's the bad news. Uh Oh, Sammy Davis jr. Died May 16th, 1990. Here's the good news. He lived long enough to see the entire first season of the Simpsons. Oh, good. Okay. So he could see. I hope he, I hope he was watching. <laughs> I hope that's how he spent his final moments. Not with his yeah. family. He's like, oh man, I got to see Crepes of Wrath again before I go. Oh, one of his last days could have been seeing Krusty Got Busted. But so, yes, they have, they've changed his mind and now it's time for a lovely ending here. First, uh, it's a little clip. I love Krusty is very sad and tired here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh. <laughs> Hi, kids! Today's show is gonna be the funniest, tie splittingest cavalcade of. I the hell with a roller cartoon. <laughs> the hell with it. Just the way he just punch and he it doesn't break through the thing. He has to try a bunch of Hey, like God, the posing on it is so fucking good. I love, I love. They do so many. Uh, Bird and his team and, and Jeff Lynch. They do so many funny things with Krusty here. And coming up, we have, I believe, the first of several references in this era to the reconciliation between Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin by Frank Sinatra. So, so, so many of them. It It happened in 1976. It was part of uh, the Boomer writers, let's say, teenage years or childhoods. It was a huge moment on the telethon, I believe, that yes. year. Yeah, and that, uh, and that, yeah, it was for that for those kids. It was like uh, I don't know, Roger Rabbit to us, let's say, or, <laughs> or uh, what the final. It was it was the Friends reunion the to Friends Zoomers. Reunion, there you go. Yeah. I've been watching the 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 Real World Homecoming on uh, on Paramount Plus, which is you know a reunion of the Real World New Orleans cast. And that feels like a huge cultural moment to me. I'm not sure who else is watching outside of my Twitter timeline. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Reunions are big. Reunions leave a, a, a real impression. You know, I got to watch those. I want, I'm, uh, I especially, yeah, the, the New Orleans one was a big one for me in, in my youth. I think, I think it was that or Miami was my, my, the most watch uh, one of that season. All that, all that said, that poor loser mm. uh, pining after Coral, that, uh, what, what a sad guy that was. Go back to our mission hill episode about the real world we oh, talk yes. a lot about yes. the uh the impact that had but uh, is everybody doing better on the show now or is somebody still are people still assholes on it no it's fascinating i mean you know Ju- mormon julie is uh really like a, a woman on the verge of a nervous breakdown uh-huh. um it's uh, extremely hard to watch uh-huh. uh but very entertaining and uh and, and you know it's it's the real world obviously was hugely influential to me as a person who loves reality television and also was just the right age of gay to like be obsessed with Danny from the real world New Orleans. Anyway, highly recommended. Just was thinking of it because we talked about reunions and I've already <laughs> plugged several Broadway shows. So I was like, what else can I throw in? <laughs> no, you know, the, the real world show really was like special for a certain age of gay person like the, there wasn't much other gay stuff on tv other than these people so yeah i or or scott thompson on king kids in the hall which also i've that's all back now so i'm thinking like boy scott thompson he was uh, i appreciated how out he was back in like 1992 hmm. or whatever when people you know not many not many people ellen was deeply in the closet then by comparison oh yeah hey that's another reunion right ellen- Ellen doing uh, doing uh, romantic comedies with with men is her uh, 
her colleagues. I do think it's interesting to think about like the cultural references that writers take with them that end up being, you know, I like I, I feel like a lot of what I watch now is written by people who are my age. And so I'm like, all these references are great. <laughs> but I have no idea how they land with like anyone younger than me. Yeah. I mean, I, The Simpsons is also like, for me, the bulk of my cultural references come from the show <laughs> that I watched with the impressionable, impressionable age. So like things like the jazz singer, obviously I learned about through The Simpsons and have never bothered watching the original. I was thinking that with uh, our our pals on the show, Craig of the Creek, who mm. we've, we've had the, the one of the creators on, on the show. They do some great stuff with that because their show is made for like 12 year olds on Cartoon Network, but they have tons of references that make it clear the parents on the show grew up in the 90s and like the mom for example will imitate the missy elliott garbage bag suit scene uh and and i just keep thinking like this is meaningless to a 12 year old and they even did a joke where craig on the show says i guess you could call me destiny's child and then he looks at the camera and says ask your parents about that one (laughs) I think I know everything about pop culture from 1960 until the year 2000 when I kind of checked out. So uh, <laughs> thanks to all of these boomer writers for letting me know about things like uh, the Jerry Lewis and D. Martin reunion. Yeah. So. <laughs> but, but yeah, so Krusty and his father, they reconnect backstage it's as, as Krusty is smoking. And it's uh, it's kind of sweet. They just instantly hug again, like just back to, oh, daddy. Like it's it's just a sweet. They really kind of fly through it, though. Like they're just like, oh, I'm on. Let's get on stage. And so they break into a song uh that i'll just drop in here lenny a little reconciliation music if you please oh mine papa to me was so wonderful oh mine papa come on dad to me he was so good you know the words no one could be so gentle and so lovable i got something in my eye yeah take my hanky he always understood. We haven't seen each other in 25 years. <laughs> oh, I love you, son. I love you too, Daddy. <laughs> and yeah, the uh, the song is a very, very sweet song of just that, uh, though it is also... The joke is that he goes like, come on, kids, you know all the words. No, <laughs> no kid then knew, oh, mine, papa, uh, the, that, uh, which was made famous by Eddie Fisher, Carrie Fisher's father. That's right. I mean, I didn't know it then. I didn't actually know the origin of the song, so I looked it up and discovered that the original version was written from the perspective of a girl singing about her clown father. Oh, wow. That's... Uh... Uh, that- interesting touch that's sweet that's sweet Uh, it's even it's even sweeter when they turn it around like that yeah i oh wait so there's one cutaway in the show of a disgusting joke about mo with uh being (laughs) offered barney's hanky which is covered in snot it's like cutting away to bart and homer's poop joke while crusty is telling the (laughs) sad story it's like we need some kind of uh body bodily fluid to enter this scene Uh, And so Simpsons historian as well on Twitter, that guy 3002, you can always count on him to show jokes that were cut from the script uh, because he collects a lot of the original scripts. He had two jokes that were cut from this uh, that he shared on Twitter, one of which is disturbing. Uh, So they're both from this scene. They cut to two other uh, houses during the song. One is Homer and Grandpa watching it. And Homer says, like, oh, isn't that sweet, Dad? And and Abe says, what are you watching this crap for? And so (laughs) he doesn't care. The other one is Smithers and Burns watching it together. And Oh, that's who's missing from this episode. Smithers and Burns. (laughs) And Smithers, this is the real 
word on the page smithers asked burns can i call you dad permission to call you daddy that's on the script page and burns's response uh, response is permission granted <laughs> so uh, i that- like that can you imagine how that that like freaky act screenshot would be weaponized by gay twitter had that actually happened just see just I feel, like we, I feel like we deserve it i would see that in a lot of thirst trap replies of like permission to call you daddy yeah. I, I i wish that scene was in <laughs> it's too i do too that would have that would have been ahead of its time i don't know if it was uh ever if it was fully animated or just cut from the script but yes thank thank you to that guy 3002 for for letting us all know the the daddy sequence we missed out on uh one little move i love is when crusty i feel like he he, the crowd isn't reacting enough from him for him so he just pushes his face into the camera is like we haven't seen each other in 25 years yes yeah yeah because they Uh, don't know like the kids in the audience the simpsons (laughs) heard his backstory Mm. as far as the kids know he hangs out with his dad every day so he's like gotta sell it to them <laughs> and the way i love the animation of his his shove his face right into the camera and the distortion on it is it's almost like a fisheye lens kind of trick on it which is really fun and yeah that he's i mean i do think i think somebody in that lewis and martin reunion scene saw, says to the camera they haven't seen each other in 25 years or something like that like mm-hmm. there's there's even a line like i that wouldn't there. be surprised if they're just directly quoting that uh, reunion <laughs> but yes uh there's i have but one last clip here. Oh, yeah. My old friend's right next to my heart. Hey, such a filthy habit. Who asked you? Father? Son. Papa! Daddy! My chick! Oh, daddy! There's just something... I, I think Castellaneta does such a good job with his, like, uh, I love you too, daddy, and all stuff. Like, he actually... Castellaneta gets so much emotion out of out of this silly little crusty character here <laughs> you know it's it's really t- honestly it's still I still get tingles every time I hear crusty and his father say like, I love you son I love you too daddy like and the way he just then gets hit in the face with a pie by his father and he hugs him laughing like I don't know it's really I I'm I'm getting goosebumps right now just uh, just even describing it it's, it's 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 very sweet almost too sweet but I think it I think they pulled it off well if they included the uh the Smithers and Burns joke that would have really cut, you know, undercut the sweetness. But um, I think it works as is. They they left in the booger joke, but yes. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. I've seen a lot of people joke about how today's top fantasy films are about a parent apologizes, but they were doing the same thing 30 years ago in mm-hmm. cartoons too. You know, they weren't, it's always been, it's been the fantasy of many a creator of like, what if my parents said they were sorry? What if such a thing were to happen? That's, and it's still true today in, in films like Turning Red and uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. You know, uh, when the metaverse comes around, an AI parent can apologize to you every day. You can just log <laughs> in and have them apologize to you what a horrifying dark thing to say oh <laughs> uh, man I, I hope i hope the ai in 30 years from now can properly emulate my my parents mm-hmm. in those scenes that, it'll have uh, to we won't have drinking water <laughs> that's i hope that's part of president Platt, pratt's platform his platform <laughs> oh um henry you're you're building <laughs> like gimmicks for him campaign. yeah this is, you are this is a turning point you're 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 edging us closer to a Pratt presidency you know he needs a gay sellout on his team to not look homophobic with, mm. with all his work so i think there's a slot ready for me already 
<laughs> but but anyway yes i thought a very sweet ending for an episode i do think the third act is almost like kind of stuffed with like too many bits just like oh we're two page we're like five pages short or whatever but yeah uh, it's still i i think it's really funny and, and i don't know as a, as, as a non-jewish person who did not know much at all about the faith it, it, it taught me a bit as as a kid and i i'm thankful for that oh yeah me too like i said up front uh for me as a kid who was watching a lot of tv at the time it was very rare to see this much like jewish focused content so it did feel like almost daring at a time when these kind of uh themes weren't talked about on sitcoms so i give a credit for that and also a good crusty story that's uh this is like the first dedicated crusty episode you know crusty gets busted it's about him but he's really just not a proactive character in that story in this one it's about him and his life and his sadness and it's the start of many great crusty episodes yeah oh and it's so early in the idea of like a visitor comes to the simpsons and they change their life yeah kind of story too yeah oh sorry Liz. uh any any final thoughts yourself oh um yeah i mean i i agree with you about uh sort of the weird the the joke stuffing and the pacing of it which i thought was a little strange but ultimately you know a very sweet episode and one that made me feel seen as someone whose father has called him boy chick before oh. um it's a it's a you know it's a it's a nice one and i and i and i like that you know this early in the show's run i mean season three i guess feels early only in you know only relatively um given how long the show has been on but um to get this much backstory for like a a side character a joke character i think was something that i really appreciated about the show and you know as it happened over the years to kind of have every character minus crusty's executive assistant um (laughs) Get, get, you know, this kind of episode length plot and backstory. You know, when we pitched that Krusty learned how to read flashback episode, we'll also include money, uh, penny candy in the episode too. That's, uh, they'll kill two birds with one stone there. But anyway, but thank you, Lewis, so much for coming on the show. Yes, thank you so much, Lewis. Do you have anything you would like to promote or uh, perhaps your Twitter? Sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Lewis Peitzman. I don't have much else to promote these days, but, um, you know, appreciate the follows and the angry replies. <laughs> You're always fun to tweet along with. And also, I mean, honestly, yes, for I, I mainly uh, from your Twitter, I get jealous of seeing all the cool shows you get to go to. I'm, I am I like the recent Into the Woods uh, revival uh, that happened. Or I, I guess, Is that the right? term for it yes it was a, a mini a mini revival but uh now now that i find out you're hanging out with beetlejuice all the time i'm even more jealous. i i mean i we know each other <laughs> i've never hung out but if you oh. want to run with that version of it um you know absolutely can we get beetlejuice on the show we've said his name enough times now oh. yeah. <laughs> but but thank you lewis Thank you. Thanks again to Lewis for being on the show. As for us, if you want to check out more of what we do and get these episodes one week at a time and ad-free, please head on over to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and sign up at the $5 level. Once you do, you'll get just that, but also access to our vast catalog of miniseries episodes, over 100 to date, full-length episodes about your favorite animated comedies, including both uh, Talking Futurama and Talking in the Hill. Those are our monthly exclusive miniseries, only behind the $5 paywall, only at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and there is a ten dollar level as well when you sign up for that you get access to everything behind the five dollar paywall plus access to one extremely long podcast only for patrons of that level or higher and what is that henry 
Bob is talking about the What a Cartoon Movie podcast because me and Bob love talking about an animated feature film super in-depth just like we do an episode of The Simpsons. That often means we go over five hours long, including our record is six and a half hours on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. You know you want to hear that one. But other recent ones have included this month. You can hear us talk about 1989's The Little Mermaid, the start of the Disney Renaissance. Right before that, we did Toy Story 3, the classic third entry in the Pixar trilogy, and a giant back catalog of stuff covering South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, to a goofy movie, to Akira, and everything else in between. If you sign up at that $10 level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons, you'll have over 250 hours of exclusive What a Cartoon Movie podcast, in addition to all of the stuff Bob just talked about on the $5 level. Again, check it all out at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. As for me, I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo, and my other podcast, by the way, is Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast about old video games. You can find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash retronauts. Sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes every month. And Henry, what about you? Follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Follow me there for uh, fun fun tweets about politics and The Simpsons. Also, if you're following Bob and I, please follow the official Twitter account of this podcast, at Talk Simpsons Pod. At Talk Simpsons Pod on Twitter is where you'll stay in the loop when new episodes come out on the free feed, on the Patreon, when we have polls, when we announce new episodes coming out. You stay in the loop if you follow at Talk Simpsons Pod on Twitter. And if you're looking for an easy-to-follow guide of all of our previously released free episodes head over to talking simpsons podcast.com to check them all out along with some other neat little goodies thanks so much for joining us folks we'll see you again next time when the al gene rain begins with season three's brawl in the family and we'll see you then Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Knox Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> <laughs> Ugh.